BBC Three Counties Radio's Big Tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Big it's lovely. Tour is People coming, always the friendly. Big and all tour is this coming, week, we're featuring... The tour is coming, the big... 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 What's that trail for? No idea. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm out of breath. I've had to come back from, uh, well, having what was rather an energetic toilet visit. Don't ask. Uh, and I suspected my friends were setting me up for an attack. That was it, Kelly. You got it right. So I had to uh, crawl and stroll and sneak along the corridor in full ninja mode. How do those ninjas do it? So exhausting, throwing my keys as though it were a hand grenade <laughs> as I opened a door. Right, lots on the show this morning, including another complaint against Bedfordshire Police. A woman with Downs is told to get a job. And as Luton in Har- Harmony celebrates its fourth anniversary, we ask, is Luton in Harmony? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. But please, lots and lots of your phone calls this morning are what is required. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. You can call in about any old nonsense as well, to be honest. Not just the stuff we're talking about. If you fancy a natter... To be honest, we've got plenty of gaps in the show this morning, so I'm sure we could squeeze you in somewhere. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, Bedfordshire Police are back in the news again. A public meeting has been called in Luton tonight. Amid allegations, a man with severe autism was roughed up by police. Two officers have been placed on restricted duties while an investigation takes place into the incident on Whitby Road on the 20th of February. Well, no one from Bedfordshire Police was available to talk to us this morning, but we've had a statement apologising for the distress caused to Farouk and his family. Well, Farouk's brother, Dobia Ali, joins me on the line now. Morning, Dobia. Good morning, Lim. What What happened? Well, basically, um, on the, the incident took place on February 20th, which was on Thursday, approximately half set in the morning. Now, Farouk has a severe autism, and he's got a set routine. Um, on Thursday, it's a bin day, so he likes watching the bins. And he's been doing that for many years, every Thursday, and he knows a bins man. And this particular incident, he was doing his routine as usual, and two uniform officers uh, to be in a traffic, traffic office ANPR unit. They approached Farouk, and they apparently looked suspicious. So this is why Farouk's putting the bins out, is he? That's right. Right, okay. Normal Thursdays. Yeah. And um, they, they approached him, and they actually grabbed him, and saying that he looked suspicious. Now, then we need to understand very clear about this. This is not the first time it happened to him. It happened to him again uh, before, a year and a half ago. So he's very terrified of the police. And as they grabbed him, they flinged him. And they flinged him around all over the bins. And uh, obviously, at that point, he both got scared and started to run away from the police. And as he was doing that, the, uh, the police officer physically 
attacked him. What, what, define attack. What do you mean by... What did they do? They punched him. Okay. They hit his wing on a full blast on him. How many times... And bear in mind we don't have the police here to get their side of the story. We did offer them the chance, but they said no. How many times was Farouk uh, punched? Uh, according to eyewitnesses, twice. All right. Uh, according to another witnesses, three times. So two eyewitnesses saw that. So, so what did Farouk do then? Well, obviously, at that stage, he, um, he managed to come home. Obviously, tried to back, uh, run away from the police. And he managed to just come home uh, to the house. At that stage, the, um, I came down. I heard the noise, hustle and bustle. I heard the noise, crying. Especially my mom, who was screaming. So I came downstairs at that stage. And I saw two officers. I saw my brother come into the house. Behind him, two officers. And I stopped the officer. I was hanging and said, what is going on? Because I saw that that thing. I saw the cuffs and bruises on through. I realized what had happened. And I said to the officer, hang on a second. Do you know Fruit suffers from a disability? He's, uh, he's autism. And they turned around and said to me, oh, uh, he looks suspicious. And we saw he's a robber. Those were the words of the officers. You say he was cut and bruised. Yeah. Where, where, where were his cuts? What, what, what wounds did well, he have? He had an injury on his, uh, on his face, on his, uh, on his neck. There was some blood on his neck. Uh, and obviously he was wearing his slippers. And obviously came, um, he lost his slippers during the course of the incident. And then we examined him further. Then he had a cut, some bruises on his knees. Uh, he had some bruises on his back. Uh, he compl- they completely ripped his jacket, there's a, almost in two pieces, and you could see the severity on that. Is there any way, Dobbier, that the police would have been able to tell he was autistic? Well, yeah, it's clearly evident, because my brother, due to the first incident that happened, the recommendation from the police said that they should alert on the police system, and he was carried a badge. On the badge was given by Autism Society, where he said, hey, I have a, a disability, attention, and it says on a police badge on it. So he said, attention, I have a disability on that. Now, despite wearing a badge, despite you wearing a badge, you still couldn't identify he's got a disability. Was he wearing, sorry, Dobby, was he wearing that badge he was at the time badge. that the, the, the police, you claim, attacked him? He always wearing the badge, he was wearing the badge at the same time, and they still attacked him. This is what the confusing part is, Liam. It's like he was wearing the badge, like all he does, every Thursday goes out to the bin. There's no difference this time. He was wearing the badge, and they could not identify him as a disability. Where was the badge on his body, Dobby? I'm just trying to get a full picture of... of what... on, on, on his front. You know, it's on his front. So you'd, you'd yeah, see it? Yeah, you'd able to see it. It's quite clear. Okay. It's, red, it's a reddish colour, pinky colour uh, card. Let, let, let's go back a little bit. You, you, you said that um, quite early on that the police uh, flung him uh, what, into the bins, did you say? Yeah, as the, the bins were outside, and obviously the, one of the neighbours had just taken the pictures of the bins when they were uh, after the incident. Now, I, I would be surprised if the police... Th- 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 they don't fling people willy-nilly ag- against bins. D- do you have any idea what, was, what prompted that? Well, I don't know what happened. Obviously, first they engaged with Drew for the yep. first five seconds, okay, and they grabbed him. They holded him, okay, and obviously, they, obviously at that stage, Farouk was scared, Farouk was nervous, and obviously he tried to, you know, say, he couldn't speak for himself, he couldn't defend himself. 
and at that stage they grabbed him they tried to push him away they were and obviously at that stage there was some hustle and bustle and the police officer grabbed his jacket they flinged him across the bin and obviously at that stage Farouk started running home can, can I ask uh, uh, how old is Farouk? Farouk is uh, 33 33 and how does the autism uh, affect his daily life? Well, with autism, is uh, he suffers from severe autism, and is, um, he's got a set routine each day, which he carries out. For example, Thursday is a bin day, yeah. so he wakes up uh, six in the morning or even seven in the morning to just watch the bin. The bin comes in about eight o'clock. And he eight, he finds the routine of that comforting, does he? He does. He does. How uh, has this experience affected him? Well, I'll be honest with you, he had a second really bad. Now he's scared to come out of the house. Um, you know, before he's got, like I said, comes out, he stays outside the house watching people, say hello to the people. Now that has been stopped. Uh, he's scared to come to the house. Every time he hears a signal or police signal, he runs. Uh, and he's not, and he's not sleeping at night. Now, like I said, he's got a set routine. So he sleeps at ten, nine in the morning. That's uh, ten in the evening. Goes to bed, okay. And now he's waking up two in the morning. Yeah, uh, two in the morning, and he's walking up uh, upstairs and downstairs, and he's, and he's really agitated. We're running out of time, and I really appreciate you coming on uh, and telling us about this. You've organised a meeting for tonight. What are you hoping to achieve with that meeting? Well, I'm hoping to achieve is the main is justice to find out what exactly happened. Okay, or why hasn't these officers have been suspended from duty? Why is the investigation taking place now? Will the, a, Dobby, sorry, will, will the police be there tonight? We will be, the police will be there tonight. We will have the commissioner be, uh, at tonight's meeting. We will have deputy commissioner in the meeting as well. Uh, Dobby, listen, we, we have to move on. I, I really appreciate you coming on this morning. Do you think maybe we could have a chat with you tomorrow to find out how the meeting went? Yeah, of course we can. OK, I'll brilliant. Thanks a lot for your time. Uh, that's uh, Dobby Ali, who is the brother of Farouk, um, claiming there that the police uh, roughed up his brother. Now, we say the police haven't come on uh, the show this morning. We've uh, asked them. They said no, but we have had a statement apologising for the distress caused to Farouk and his family. What's, what's your beef, Kelly? I just need to check something. Yes? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Was that a song? Or just a giant cough. I can't work it out. That was a song. It's Cat Stevens. Can't keep it in. Probably I quite for like Cat Stevens. Normally, it's probably is it from T, T, T for the Tillerman or Teaser in the Firecat. T- one of those T two. T for the Tillerman. What's that's one of the? It's a br- exactly. He's clearing his throat. All he's, he's struggling. He's searching for answers, and it wouldn't be uh, for another fifteen for years. It wouldn't be for another fifteen years that he'd find the answers when he nearly drowned and he discovered Islam. Oh. A good song, that. I like a bit of Cat Stevens. <coughs> I like the way he's saying, I can't keep it in, but it sounds like he's trying to get me in. He wants to keep it out now. Can't keep it in, because it's got to come out now. Well, that's like Bill Cosby. <laughs> you don't know who we're talking about, do you? Exactly. OK, thank you very much indeed. Well, I thought that was a cracking song. Do you know what I might... Let's, have, uh, let's make the rest of the week Cat Stevens week here at BBC oh. Three. Can't... Oh. I don't know. Hey. Why? It's Tuesday now. Yeah. So what? Uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Father and son, we can do. No, no, no. We're not going to go for the obvious stuff. Time. Have you heard Bad Apple Gas? No, but it sounds nasty. <laughs> it was when he was running out of ideas. Towards the end of the 70s, he's running out of ideas. So he wrote a comedy song. Um, it, well, it's not comedy. It's about um, the, uh, consumerism and how these people invent a, a gas that's a half banana and half apple. And it's the greatest thing in the world. It's brilliant. Deep stuff. Yeah? Deep stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
Oh, that was me. That was me trying to set the tone. Let me do that again. Hang on a second. Say deep stuff twice. Deep stuff, man. Deep stuff. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the big tour is coming. And if you're in Kempston, it's here. Part of the BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour. All this week we are in Kempston in Bedfordshire, hearing about the news that matters to you. And that's where we met Heather and Kim Petty. Now, 25-year-old Kim has Down syndrome. And after a reassessment under the welfare reform was told, she does not have learning difficulties and that she will need to go out and get a job. Well, Catherine Boyle has uh, been looking into this. Catherine, tell us more about Kim's story. Yeah, Kim and her mother, Heather, came to the show after a two-year-long battle with the Department of Work and Pensions over this. Kim has Downs, as you say, with moderate to severe learning difficulties. In 2011, the government contacted Kim's mum, Heather, to say they needed to reassess her as part of the welfare reforms to check if she was still eligible for incapacity benefit. So they visited her at home for the assessment where they decided that Kim didn't have a learning disability and that she was no longer eligible for benefits and she needed to go out and get a job. Needless to say, her family disputed that. Yep. They were outraged. They fought the decision and they successfully fought that decision. So at present, um, Kim holds down a volunteer job in a charity shop for two hours a week. She shreds paper. Oh. That's what she can do. Right. And so oh Kim's family fought that decision, resulting in an employment tribunal last year, where the Petties eventually won their case for employment support allowance, only to be told that that means that Kim will have to be reassessed by the DWP every six to 12 months. That's causing stress and anxiety for the uh, family. Well, if, she, if all she is capable of uh, is uh, shredding paper, how has this been allowed to happen? The government said that the reassessment of the ESA, or the Employment and Support Allowance, was a mandatory reconsideration as part of this raft of welfare reforms. Mm. The government hopes the new system of assessing individual cases between six and 12 months will sort through those in need and not in need of disability benefits. However, many seriously ill patients who've been wrongly assessed or unable to uh, complete the assessment have now been declared fit for work, even if they're not, which is what happened to Kim. Kim is, you know, she's in a catch-22 there. But she's clearly, she's, it would be she's obviously eligible for benefit, and one assessment may be acceptable, but they don't need to keep reassessing her, do they? What, what have the Department for Work and Pensions had to say about this? Do you hear that? Oh. <laughs> we asked them to speak to you this morning. Um, so they'll be, um, you, they'll be on later on, and they can tell you themselves. But they decline. Oh, hang on a second. We asked them to come on to speak to you, but they've declined. Oh, OK. Right. So, um, they so t- they're not coming on? No. They oh. told our team that consumers in receipt of benefits are subject to regular reviews. In Kim's case, to assess her regularly standard and part of the process. So there's nothing they can do, they say, to change that. However, usually the period between assessments is six to 12 months. In Kim's case, they have made an exception and extended that time scale. So she won't have another assessment till 2017. When asked by us if she would ever need another assessment as a situation is never going to change, they told us that's just the way it is. Paperwork needs to be filled out and it's a process they can't cancel. However, it may not mean that Kim will need to physically attend the assessment because a decision may be made on the information provided by Kim's GP or healthcare professionals or a questionnaire completed by a nominated person best suited to comment on her condition. Well, Catherine, it's, uh, it's confusing stuff. Well, later on in the show, we'll be speaking to Kim's mum, Heather, to find out how this process has affected her and the family. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we were talking uh, uh, earlier on about uh, Farouk Ali, who was, uh, well, it's claimed he was roughed up um, by the uh, police. Gary's in Luton. Morning, Gary. Morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Gary. What would you like to say? 
Well, just about the court, uh, the story on the show this morning. Um, obviously, I would have expected um, uh, the police to come online, really. I mean, it's so easy for them to make a statement. And I was quite shocked, obviously, to hear this uh, sad news. I mean, obviously, there is two sides of the story. But uh, the thing is, you know, this here, here, here we are again. From what, you know, what's happened last year to Leon Briggs, a young man, you know, who sadly died in November, I believe. And now again, obviously, a completely different incident, you know, and uh, listening to the story, um, apparently, obviously, this is not the first time. I think something else has happened from my court, you know. Well, Gary, we've got a a couple of tweets from Sylvia. Let me read these. Uh, Sylvia says, it must have been very distressing for Farouk, but I dare say that as it was happening, the officers had no way of knowing he was autistic. It probably just escalated. How can you prevent that while it's happening? Now, Farouk's brother said uh, that he was uh, he was wearing uh, a badge that said, you're right. Yes, I yeah. am. He was wearing a badge that said he was autistic, but, but maybe in the heat of things, the police didn't see it. No, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But the thing is, it would have been very, very nice for them to obviously come on board. You know, like I said, um, it's very easy for any establishment or organisation to release a statement, you know. Yep. you know. But obviously, you know, it would be nice for people like us to ask them the questions, uh, you know, on air and uh, why this has happened. Because obviously, when you and I, if we live in Luton, you know, I do, I'm not sure yourself, but if we call the police, is that what's going to happen to us? Well, th- I mean, Gary, there is... There is uh, there's a meeting tonight um and maybe we I mean, the police i think they i heard someone saying yes they, they didn't want to come on catherine until after the, the, the meeting or after the investigation is that correct is that oh i don't know something like well let's put another call in today and let's see but, if we can get last question Hello. last question really before yes um is i'm obviously the last bit i caught on us as well the police are still in duty so how can that be while an investigation is carrying out well they've had they, they're on restricted uh, restricted duties what does restricted mean to you i mean to me i don't know I don't know. Well, uh, uh, Gary, you asked some excellent questions. I'll tell you what we'll do today, Gary. Thank you for that. We'll put in a call to the police. Let's find out what restricted uh, duties means. Uh, and let's find out if we can get a copper or Ollie Martins. It's Ollie Martins, isn't it? Ollie yes. Martins. But he's going to be there tonight. He's going to be there tonight. So I'm thinking maybe Paul, the maybe they will come on tomorrow after the meeting has taken place. Me. Let's ask. And let's, let's also find out what restricted duty means. Gary, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC now, Three Counties Radio. What do you want to do, Catherine? We've got, uh, 08459 We've got a great, a great song lined up. Tonight I Celebrate My Love by Roberta Flack and Peebo Bryson. We've got the papers. Or we've got the new feature that I've just mentioned to you. Where, where do you want to go? You're, you produce, produce. What new feature? We don't, you don't really want to do that. Do yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So, oh, she's she's got she's just taking a telephone call, which is uh, very very convenient of her. Hang on a second, Kelly Betts. So we're introducing a new feature uh, where I don't understand what's happening in Ukraine or Crimea. I've got no idea. So we're going to ask Kelly Betts to explain what's happening in Ukraine. It's our daily Ukrainian update with our Ukrainian correspondent Kelly Betts. Hi. Hi there. So what's Hello. happening in Ukraine at the moment? All the answers can be revealed. If you press this button here, press the button. Well, I haven't got a button. Yes. Don't press that button. What button? The one that plays the track. What? No, I'm not going to play. That's the song. Yeah. Then you don't give. You can't give us an update. No. But. But by the time that the song would have played, everyone would have forgot this bit happened. Okay. Yeah, it's a good plan. Same time tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, sure. Nice one. Thanks. My love. Well, this song really has. Uh, Put it. Ooh. Ooh. 
put a downer on the show. <laughs> it has, hasn't it? Jeffrey's in Brighton. Morning, Jeffrey. Morning, the man from Royal Farnham. Jeffrey. Yeah. Not today. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, Catherine has shown me a picture that when she saw it, she swore. <laughs> I thought, well, that's very possible. Then I saw it and I swore. It is flipping amazing. Just try and describe it so that the people at home swear. It's a snake with a crocodile in it. <laughs> oh, greedy snake! It's done that thing where it's unlatched its jaws and it's just coming to the end of the crocodile's tail, having squeezed it, squeezed the life out of this mighty, Wowzers. scaly beast, which, to be honest, I, I think it's not the most comfortable eating. No, no. Um, it's... Oh, my goodness. Right, let me read you the story. Yeah. They had a the fight. St- they had a fight. It's like something out of Godzilla. The fight lasted hours, but when it was over, the real work for the water python began. Having managed to squeeze to death a four-foot freshwater crocodile, the snake then set about swallowing the reptile. <laughs> like that, wow. inch by inch. It pulled its prey through its jaws. Did you unlock your jaw then? Yeah. That's incredible. And when it was over, the snake had taken on the shape of the crocodile. Yeah, it was like a crocodile in a snake suit. Why doesn't the, cro- the crocodile eat the snake from inside? Dead. It was dead. It oh, he killed it. <laughs> I wonder what it's like. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. Please stop that. <laughs> Look like you're straining to do it. Now, I, I wonder what it's like actually inside a snake. Wet. But what... what you, you, be pink. In, pink, wet. Would it be sticky? <laughs> I can't believe we're imagining this. <laughs> We're There's in charge of children. They're page Probably seven. Like this. Page seven of the Express. This is brilliant. The police have put up. Are you right? I'm trying to visualise what it would be. Yeah, like. I know. I've, I've visualised something. Police have. Um, police. <laughs> Tonight I celebrate my love. Police probing. Uh, I'm not even going to look at you now because I can't without. Picturing the inside of a snake. Police probing a robbery were branded laughable yesterday after asking people to identify a man. So they got some CCTV footage. Wonderful. It's saved lives. It's helped catch criminals. They've posted the images on, uh, uh, online. Except the fellow's wearing not just a balaclava. He's, got, he's just got like his hat pulled down so you can't see anything. He's just got black cotton all around his face. If I'd seen that man, I'd remember. You, you would recognise that man. But what's underneath the mask? Uh, they also refused to call him a suspect as that might breach the Human Rights Act, despite him being caught on CCTV wielding <laughs> a knife. Instead, officers, officers in Dorset said he was a man they'd like to speak with. For goodness sakes. Come on, guys. Anything else? Come on, girls. Female broadcasters have to copy the deep, authoritative tones of male colleagues. Just look sweet on well, the radio. Well, let's put that to the test. Kelly, can we hear your uh, your natural speaking voice, please? My natural? There you go, you see? She's, she's quite high and... She needs, uh, she needs to uh, do a Margaret Thatcher if she's going to achieve anything. Do a Thatcher. No, I mean, but I don't mean pass away. I oh, mean, I thought you meant no. now. Do, do, a, do a, her voice. Hello. What? What do you want? Instantly more successful. Isn't she successful? Professor Mary Beard's right. Television so historian. Clean your shirt. So successful. See, see. Sew that hole in your jeans. Oh, she's so successful. Isn't she successful? And comb your hair. Hey, that's rude. Sorry. Successful. Very successful. Very successful. Can we just have a moment to uh, celebrate the magic that is Nancy Delolio? What a woman. <laughs> 
What a woman. I think she... Uh, and Jessie J's got hair again. That's great great news for her. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much the papers. That ridiculous selfie. No, what? no, no. There is something else. Oh, go on. Tell you what. I'll tell you after this. Press one. We've got... Fi- no, what's all this telling me to press... We've got 50 seconds yet. Okay. I have something very interesting to tell you that you're going to love. OK, you're going to tell me now or are you going to talk up for the next 40 seconds? I would love to tell you now. Well, go on then. But? You've still got 35 seconds. You've got plenty of time to tell me. I feel like it's something we need to explore in more depth. Is it? With the help of the one, the only, the swaggering, the charming, is it, debonair... Is it Nigella Lawson without much makeup on? No. The... Uh, probing. Is it uh, having a TV in a kid's bedroom makes them fat? Yeah, we're going to ask Justin about it in a minute. Okay, lovely. We're all doing our jaggers. We've all got our jaggers out. Yeah, man, yeah. Can you do the the voice? Oh, I can't. Oh, God. Can't do the voice. No, I can't do it. Hang on a minute. You be make, I'll be Keith. Oh, I can't. Yeah, make. Do you not want to run a Saurus Rex dance? Yeah, I, I wrote about your tiny willy in my book. What? <laughs> I wrote about your tiny willy in my book. Oh, that's well out of order, Keith. He did. I, that happened, that conversation. Can I just say, uh, I can't remember who it was, but um, last week, very, very childish antics on this show. Uh, and Catherine Boyd is producer, so ultimately, they may have come from my mouth, but it's your responsibility, Catherine. Oh. And we got sent a lovely picture. We got told off for saying the word bum. We got told off saying the word bum too much, so we stopped. Um, but then and someone it, came on who was called... Willie. Yes. We, we, so we started... We did say the word Willie. And we got sent a lovely picture of uh, one young man. Um, I don't know how old he was, but his mum took the picture of him in hysterics. The look of delight on his face. He, uh, grown-ups are saying that on the radio? Well, technically, no. But people are saying it on the radio. So uh, we, we apologise uh, for that. Now, listen. Cast your mind back about four years, and you may remember some pretty horrible headlines about Luton being a hotbed of religious and racial extremism. Well, one of the measures brought in to address the negative publicity was to, uh, to establish a group called Luton in Harmony. They've just celebrated their fourth birthday and later on we'll speak to the vice chair, Leroy Jenkins. Well, we thought we'd send Justin Daly out to uh, talk about this. Justin, do, do people feel that Luton is in harmony? Morning, boss. Um, sadly not. I mean, I couldn't find anybody with anything good to say about where they live, sadly. It'd be um, interesting to get people's reaction off the back of this. I've been speaking to people in the town and uh, here's what they had to say. Tom, you're here in the town centre in Luton. Yeah. Is this town in harmony? No, not at all. It's never going to be in harmony. There's too many people with violence and that, so until that's sorted, no one's going in harmony. No, because everybody is arguing with everybody else. Nobody gets on with anybody. Everybody's mourning about everybody else. Culture, religion, everything. Has that improved at all in the last four years? It's got worse. Not, not completely, but it's getting better. As I think it gets a bad reputation for what it is. Mm. I think everywhere has good and bad spots, no matter where you go. So. What's really lacking in Luton, I think um, people don't really know that they could come together and do something better for Luton because this is a multicultural city mm. and I think coming together is a great 
event. So what you're saying is that Luton, yes, is cosmopolitan, but those communities are not really brought together. They yeah. all live in their own worlds. Yes, I think so. Yes, that is what is happening in Luton. Stephen, as somebody who's a young man living in Luton, do you feel like this town is in harmony? No, I don't know. There's too many divided groups, man. Because like... Luton and Harmony was set up four years ago to try and improve things in the town. Are you saying they've not succeeded in the slices, then? Well, I've never even heard of it, so... Ron, simple question to you as a man who's from this town. Is Luton really in harmony? No. No, it's uh, it's getting worse. There's a lot of people around here that uh, don't live here, that's sponging off this place. And uh, though I've lived up here 30 years, it is really bad town now. I'm, I'm, I've talked to my missus and want to move out because it's horrible. OK, what is your message to Luton and Harmony? Because they are listening to this. They're a, a group that's been set up to, to improve the town. What's your direct message to them? Get, get it sorted out. Get people together and let, let's let, let clear this town up of what it is. It's getting terrible. If they clear it up and people get together and the council listens to what people have got to say and get this town working again. When you say about people coming together, are you saying there's too many different communities here and they there don't is, come together? They're, they're not. They're all separate. When you go into a shop and the people there, they, they look at you as though you don't belong in this town. And that That's because you're white? Yeah, because I'm white, yeah. Well, th- th- quite shocking what people mm. are saying there, Justin. Let's put this out to the listeners. Have you, as a white person, first of all, experienced that... Uh, what the gentleman was saying at the end there that, that, that people of different ethnic backgrounds have kind of looked at you funny in shops and said you don't belong here and we'll expand it to everybody is Luton in harmony very simple question I mean according to those people clearly not and again I need to make the point here Ian that, that when I went out and recorded those people I haven't got you know 15-20 minutes worth of recording that I haven't used of people saying great things about Luton I couldn't find anybody who had anything positive to say about their town that man there He's lived here for 30 years. He's spoken to his wife. He's off. He's leaving. He's had enough. Isn't that sad? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Is Luton in harmony? Just while we've got you on, Kath's mm. got a mission for you. Yeah, I like a mish. Ka- Kath has lost the page. That has <laughs> completely lost the page. Is it Famous Willies by any chance? No. no. Willie Russell. Yeah. Willie yeah. Rushton. Famous Willies. Let's do that. No, let's uh. not. Let's no. Let's let's not. Well, look, for goodness sakes, Catherine, have a look. Ki- at this. Kids with tellies in their bedrooms are uh, fatter, apparently. Yeah. Here in the go. mail today, isn't it? Yeah. Where, where is it? Where is it? Ah, oh, yes, here in the mail. Sakes. Bedroom TV makes a child gain weight. Having a television in their bedroom could make your child put on weight, regardless of how much they actually watch. This is according to a study um, that youngsters aged 10 to 14 years with a set, with a television set, weighed around a, pa- a pound more than those without. That's not that much. Bag of sugar. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything wrong with a child having a television in their bedroom if they are not fat? Is that Hang on. <laughs> Nearly half of those aged five question? to fifteen. Five to fifteen. Why have they got tellies in their bedroom? This is the simple thing, okay? Mm. You don't get a telly in your room until you're sixteen, and even then you've got to earn it. And even then, oh, if you on. misbehave, that gets taken out of your room. It's not I never had a telly. Seventy-two anymore. It's a bit harsh. Sixteen. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. 16. And also, by the way, kids, you're not taking the internet into your room until you're sixteen. <laughs> you're not taking a smartphone oh, or a computer in your room you're, until you're sixteen. Of course, you're not. Your no, kids I'm not having it. Have a great life, aren't they? No, they, they will have a great life because they will be intelligent, well-rounded, polite young gentlemen that aren't looking at uh, porn 
pornography and staying up all night watching television. So Unless they're around their mates. Yeah, exactly, in so that case. any parent who says to their child, you can have a TV in your bedroom before they're 16 years old, are you saying they're a bad parent? Yes, I am. Do you remember we did this before and we had a, a mum phone up and she had like a two-year-old that would fall asleep watching DVDs in bed? Yeah. No, no, no. It, it, awful. Inappropriate. But your, your girls haven't got no, TVs, No, I haven't they? got a telly in my bedroom. No. I never have had. I used to have one when I was, when I was about... Uh, I had one when I was about 10 or 11, a black and white portable, and I would stay up late and watch the young ones with the sound down really low. Which was totally inappropriate. When we used to stay in the spare bedroom, me and my sister, used to, when Channel 5 came on. Oh, Channel 5 back in the day. Just, could you go and uh, find out if people agree with me that if you are a parent and you've got kids, let's say under 10, yep. with TVs in their bedrooms, bad parenting? Yep, no problem at all. Justin, thank you very much. Excellent stuff. You can give us a call on that as well. 08459 455555. Kids should not have televisions in their room. And if you're a parent and you've got a child of, let's say, under 10 that's got a TV in their bedroom, well, shame on you. So, talking about going uh, watching the young ones on television, my parents took me to see the young ones live when I was about 10 years old. My mum said it to the, when she was booking the tickets, is it suitable for children? Oh, yes, I think so. It was the filthiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Big up yourself, Campton! This is in the BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including another complaint against Bedfordshire Police. A woman with Downs is told to get a job. And as Luton in Harmony celebrates its fourth anniversary, we ask, is Luton actually in harmony? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call, 08459 455 555. Another thing we're talking about a little bit later on. And I want your thoughts on this. It's a story that kids with TVs in their rooms are fat. Bedroom TV makes a child gain weight. Well, I, don't, I don't think kids should be having TVs in their rooms. I don't think they should be having computers in their rooms. If you've got a kid that's got a TV in their room, and let's say, well, under the age of 10... Then that surely is bad parenting. Why do, why do they need a television in their room? Have it downstairs, make it a social event, and you control it. Otherwise, poor parents, shame on you. 08459 455 555. Now, the Independent Police Complaints Commission has been called in to investigate allegations that Bedfordshire police punched a man with the mental age of five. Farouk Ali has severe autism and wears a badge to explain this when out in public. His family insist he was wearing it at the time of the confrontation. Well, they've called a public meeting tonight, which the county's police commissioner and chief constable are planning to attend, as is Liberty Louise from the Justice for Leon campaign. Morning, Liberty. Uh, Good morning, Ian. Why do you feel it's important to attend tonight's meeting? I think it's very important um, for some of the Justice for Leon committee to attend to show support and also give advice to um, the family of Farouk Ali. Uh, this has highlighted a problem within Beds Police. I think it's another erosion of trust and confidence within the community of Luton. Um, and I think that, you know, our support with the family, hopefully the police will see that, you know, the community aren't actually going to stand for further incidents happening involving the community. What advice could you offer to the Ali family? 
uh, to pursue to pursue the investigation to make sure that all processes and procedures are followed um, in the correct manner that, that they are kept informed about every step of the procedure some people wait until the investigation is concluded we find where people aren't actually involved in the investigation process things can get left you know evidence isn't submitted etc so the advice we'll be giving is for Farouk and his family to follow through and keep the pressure on on every step of the uh, investigation and your presence are you going to be quiet at the meeting or are you speaking at the meeting tonight liberty uh we're there in a support capacity um for Farouk Ali's family uh obviously this has been a very traumatic incident for him as he suffers from autism uh, I'd just like to comment on that actually when somebody has autism they see the world completely different from a normal person they are sensitive to sounds uh, they get easily confused in situations um so the vulnerability aspect is quite important I think in this case so we're going as a support capacity we may speak if we're invited but that is totally up to the family We've got a couple of tweets, Libby. Let me read you one from Sylvia. It must have been very distressing for Farouk, but I dare say that as it was happening, the officers had no way of knowing he was autistic. It probably just escalated. Unfortunate, but how can you prevent that while it's happening? Now, I know that Farouk's family say he was wearing the badge. Uh, what if the police... What if he wasn't? What if the police officers didn't see it? What if, in, in, you know, as, as Farouk got, got scared, it, it looked like he was being aggressive? Right, OK. Now, when you approach somebody with sister, uh, because there's a suspicion that they're up to no good or whatever surely you might ask questions first now if they'd have done that asked his name maybe if, if he was uh, capable of that but if they'd have asked his name it would have flagged up somewhere where he was where there was another incident in 2011 that he suffered from autism therefore the treatment of Farouk would have been different we would hope you know we can only speculate on that but surely if that was already on a database and if he was wearing his badge um, I mean, I read a statement from one of the spokesmen. Um, he said that all frontline officers receive disability awareness training in order to assist them when interacting with vulnerable people. I don't think that was done. Um, if, if they're given the training, why wasn't it used? If they have a suspicion, why aren't you asking questions? There needs to be a procedure in place before, you know, they, they thought he was a robber. Well, you know, obviously you ask questions. Maybe you need to hold them if they're being aggressive. But I've seen the pictures. I've seen the pictures of what happened to Farouk, uh, the tearing of his, his clothing. And it looks like there was an excessive force that wasn't proportionate with, with what happened. Does this uh, strengthen your campaign for all police officers to wear body cameras? I, I think it more than strengthens it. I think it's now imperative. Um, obviously, if, if this footage was available, we would know within days exactly what happened yet again and again the behavior of the police may have been different so i can't see actually any argument i think this only highlights the case that it's imperative that now police officers do wear cameras with interactions with the public do you trust the police liberty i trust i trust the police that are there to do that that do their job properly i'm not coming from an anti-police stance whatsoever but i do find that some of the behavior of some of the police isn't trustworthy um and this only further erodes any confidence and trust that we have in the police force we're hearing about vulnerable people being hurt in situations where they haven't been asked questions nothing's been looked up on a database where is the procedure in in this disability awareness training for instance and if they've been trained why isn't it being used so of course there's an erosion of trust 
and erosion of faith and of confidence within the police and it's now affecting all members of the community so I hope tonight brings everybody together so we can ask the questions and we can you know identify the problems with the police or, or you know and come to some kind of satisfactory conclusion uh, to ensure that nothing like this happens again you know this can't keep happening it's only been four months since Leon Briggs died in custody you know we're still waiting that investigation and then we hear of another vulnerable person you know with with what i perceive as excessive force what progress is being made with the uh, justice for Leon campaign you had a, another uh, vigil recently didn't you yeah we did have a vigilant rally uh, at luton town hall that luton borough council kindly uh, let us put on this was very eye-opening there were there were some incidents that the public hadn't seen um involving Bed- Bedfordshire Police and, and certain treatment. Um, and this also goes beyond uh, the incidents into the judicial system and, and how that sometimes doesn't work in favour at all for the public. It was very, it was very enlightening um, for everybody, I think. But it ended peacefully. You know, there's no, no reason to be violent or, or aggressive with this. We're just simply coming from a position of truth. So uh, that's where we're going with that. The campaign is, uh, you know, becoming national now. Mm. Uh, we're receiving quite a lot of support. And we're hoping to join other campaigns to, you know, get the right answers for the families involved, get the right conclusions to the investigations, whatever they might be, and to prevent further incidents of vulnerable people and the public in general. Liberty, while I've got you on, there was uh, the, yeah. the, the reports recently that the, a, a television show, a, a mm. kind of fly on the wall documentary, was going to be filmed at Luton Police Station. I think mm. they've put that on hold for a while, but I think it's still happening. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Right. Now, our initial thought, thoughts, and this also comes from Leon Briggs' family, is that we found the timing, um, as the investigation hasn't been concluded yet, completely insensitive. To, to the family I, I can just put you in the position of sitting there as a family member watching a reality show based on Luton Police Station and no investigation has been concluded into a death in custody so we said can you just please wait until there's some more news on the investigation we've been challenged every step of the way on this um, apparently it's going to show the time care and effort put into victims of crime which is fair enough but also people that are being held at the station now this is a contradiction or we believe there's a contradiction into how some people are treated um, so we've asked Channel 4 to, to put it on hold they've said yes we will until the 27th of March um, but to be honest with you we're asking for that to be at least postponed so that for the, for the sake of the family and also the community at the vigilant rally on the 4th of February in no uncertain terms the community expressed that they do not want this to happen as of yet. The council have also backed that and said, no, we don't feel this is the right time. And they want to know what Channel 4 are actually going to put on the TV and how they're going to portray Luton as well as Luton Police Station. So from, from our campaign perspective, and we do speak um, as a representative from the community as well, we are asking for that to be cancelled until the investigation of what happened to Leon. And now we have another incident only, you know, two weeks ago of a question about the treatment of people within Luton and at Luton Police Station. And we just feel it's absolutely a necessary compromise to say, can you just hold on? You know, for, for the sake of the family and for the sake of the community, I've told the police that there will be community tension of some sort. I'm not saying, you know, I'm promoting anything, but there will be obvious community tension if this filming goes ahead when scheduled in March. So that's, that's our position on it. And I've been emailing and emailing and contacting 
etc. And so far, it's like, well, we're having meetings with this community group and that community group. Um, I'm going to do my own public consultation because there hasn't been a wide public mm. consultation on that yet. So, as as with the cameras as well, there's been no public consultation. We keep getting railroaded and um, pushed to one side on, on matters at the moment. Liberty, we've got to end it there. Nice to talk to you again. We'll speak to you in the future, no doubt. Liberty Louise from the Justice for Leon campaign, covering all the bases there, um, but speaking initially about uh, Fru Kelly, a gentleman with severe autism, uh, uh, claims there are claims that he was uh, punched by members of Bedfordshire Police. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. We did ask Beds Police uh, to come on the show this morning, but we were told they wouldn't be putting anyone forward. In a statement, they said they are sorry for the distress caused to Mr Ali and his family. The incident is being taken seriously. A senior police officer from Luton has spoken with the Ali family directly to reassure them of their concerns. Uh, They will be continually and fully updated as the facts of what happened are established. You can give us a call about that. You can give us a call about uh, Harmony in Luton. You can also give us a call about um, parents who allow their children to have televisions in their bedrooms it's not particularly good parenting is it you've got no idea what they're watching particularly with freeview they could be watching any old filth in my day you're right it had to be channel four half past 12 at night uh, or channel five when they started it if you wanted to get any kind of soft filth but now with freeview you can see anything sometimes bbc2 got a bit arty yeah yeah arty farty yes but uh, you can get all those on freeview i think you can get all of those i'm led to believe all the babe stations and things can't you my uh, five-year-old happened across one of those the other day thank goodness they were still at the uh, pointing at the um, really phone stage and uh, Oh my goodness! She stumbled across it. Yeah, she thought it said baby station. Oh no, that's terrible. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's a story we came across in the course of our big tour, which this week is focusing uh, on Kempston in Bedfordshire. That's where we heard the story of 25-year-old Kim Petty. She's been told, she had been told to go out and get a job, despite the fact she has Down syndrome. Well, assessors from the Department of Work and Pensions decided she didn't have learning difficulties and her benefits should stop. With us now is Kim's mum, Heather. Morning, Heather. Good morning. So t- tell, me, tell us uh, a little bit about Kim. How old is she and, and, and how does uh, her Down syndrome affect her? Well, she's 25 um, and she's, she can be fine if she's with people that she knows well and she has a lot of support. But uh, in any sort of other situation, she can be extremely stressed, anxious, uh, withdrawn, um, you know, and, and incapacitated, really. So she was, uh, uh, let me know if I got this right, she was claiming um, benefits, I would imagine disability living allowance or something like that, Uh, and then the Department of Work and Pensions said, actually, no, she can work. Um, Not quite. This was the changeover when everybody that was on incapacity benefit of working age was morphed over to employment support allowance. So we were sent a paper assessment to fill in, um, which I did, assuming wrongly (laughs) that everything was uh, understood that Down syndrome carries a learning difficulty with it. And so I filled this in and sent it back. And the the decision maker on the other end, who was a state registered nurse, uh, gave the... um, the assessment outcome was that there was no evidence of a learning difficulty. So I then asked for a review of the decision, because that's the only thing you can do at that stage. 
went back to a reviewing officer and we had a reply too quickly back saying he agreed with the initial decision and that she had to go on to um, she went on to the higher like the work uh, work related group of employment support allowance um, disability or living allowance that's all happening in a, a year or two they're changing all of that as well okay so these assessments were done purely by you filling in a form she Kim wasn't seen at all no she wasn't seen um, not at all I just filled in the form as <laughs> not fully I mean not as in very lengthy wordy but said that she had Down syndrome, she has a learning difficulty. Exactly what I said to you, that she's stressful. And, and so then, with the, the, this, this uh, different category that she fell in, what exactly does that mean? She got less money, she had to look for work, what does that mean? Well, yes, both of those. It meant she get, got less money. Uh, she had what's called work-focused interviews, which they wanted us to go down to the local job centre. I had to go down there not long before because I was made redundant. And there was no way I was going to put Kim through running the gauntlet of people that, you know, sit outside. Uh, It's a very aggressive environment, in my view. And there was no way I was going to put her through that. She would be, you know, we would be weeks, months, years backwards uh, with her stress. You know, her, her anxiety levels would be through the roof. They ended up coming out to the house. So that took two people come out to the house and have a work-focused interview in the house. And how did Kim find that interview? Oh, um, she just closed up. She didn't say a word. Um, Afterwards, she was saying to me, does that mean I'll get a job? You know, hoping, longing to get a job. Mm. And so then you've got to explain to her that, no, just because she's had a work-focused interview doesn't mean that she's actually going to get a paid job from that. You know, she looks at it face value. I've had an interview, I'll get a job. At any point, did the, the two people that came out and interviewed her, did they kind of take you to one side and say, look, Heather, but the, what we, I don't know what we're doing here. She's, it's obvious that she's, she shouldn't be here. Uh, no, I mean, I said to them, you know, what are you going to do to find her a job then? And they said, well, we'll go away and find out if we can help in any way. They called me back in about a week's time and said, oh, we found this a, an organisation called Supported Employment. We could put her in touch with them. And I said, I've already been in touch with them years ago and she's in the system and they are supporting her in her voluntary job of two hours a week at the Corn Exchange, which she absolutely loves. Mm-hmm. However, due to wonderful council cutbacks uh, you know that's in serious jeopardy and coming to an end as well so even a voluntary job you know it's difficult for her to find this must have been very stressful for, for both you and Kim oh extremely I mean the, I took it to tribunal the dis- decision because when I looked at the um, criteria it looked like she fell absolutely into the support group so it took 18 months for the tribunal to be heard, which is an incredibly stressful time for me. It's a proper employment tribunal. It's not any lightweight thing. You go in, there's a judge and there's um, two. There's a, a specialist witness doctor and there's a lay witness. So there's a panel of three. 
Anyway, the outcome of that was immediately she was put into the support group, which is what I, you know, the group I felt she should have been in. Two weeks later, I had another reassessment on my doormat. And we were talking about a book to fill in. Two weeks from the outcome of the tribunal. And that's when I got the MP involved. I said, it's ridiculous. And he, he got involved and he was told that uh, the, the DWP have a requirement, have the authorisation of government and the expectation to reassess everybody from a period of two weeks to three years. But the only people that get three years are the terminally ill. Oh, gosh. So she, she has to be continually reassessed, but they, they have extended it slightly. So, Well, no, it could, be, it could be as little as two weeks. Oh. I never know when a reassessment's going to land on the map. Oh. Um, any time from two weeks to two years, they have to, they, they have, they have to reassess. Their explanation for that was that we want to keep in touch with people who are on benefits so that they feel able to come and talk to us. And the MP was saying, even the GP said, this condition is only, from now on, it's only going to get worse, not better. And, you know, it involves people like GPs who should be medical, you know, medically engaged with, with their jobs writing reports for tribunals that is not their job Heather we've got to move on but I really appreciate you uh, sharing yours and Kim's story with us it's an important issue and um, it must be very very frustrating I can't even begin to imagine thank you for that that's uh, Heather Petty who is the mum of Kim across beds hearts and bucks this is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio BBC Three Counties Radio. And you can hear more from our big tour throughout the week, of course. Let's have um, a little look at this story again in the Daily Mail. If you've got kids, they've got a TV in their room, they're going to be fat. Bedroom TV makes... Oh, we'll do it in a second. We've got a caller about uh, that story that we've just spoken about. Let's uh, go to uh, line number two. Who have we got here? Simon! Hi, Ian. Morning, Simon. You, you, you called in about what you just heard. What would you like to say? I was... Um, about the lady was talking about a minute ago about the Department of Work and Pensions. Yes. Um, unless you're in, actually in contact with this, this kind of world and what goes on, people really have no idea about what's going on in this country. My wife and I have a friend who has severe learning difficulties um, who claims uh, he has um, invalidity benefit. He did work. He had a work, he had work in a factory. He suffered an industrial accident. Um, basically, his feet were badly burned with acid. He's completely unable to work. Um, he was summoned to the part, Department of Work and Pension. They refused to tell him why he was being summoned. When he arrived yesterday for this interview, as they call it, he was taken to a room. The door was locked behind him. So for a, for a gentleman like this, it's extremely distressing. He turned up at ours yesterday in a really distressed state. And basically, he has a girlfriend, um, which he, he stays, maybe pops over and stays with her maybe two, three times a week. He has been told by them he is not allowed to. Why, why uh, have they said that? 
I, we have no idea. They won't talk. They obviously won't talk to us, even though we, we've we've tried to go to things and act as his advocate. Um, we try to explain to them that he has learning difficulties. He can't understand. Can't fully really well, follow the conversation. This is what I was going to ask him. How, how his his d- d- learning difficulties are severe enough that he struggles to follow the conversation. Yeah. Is there? I and mean, he was there on his own, was he? No, no. He had his girlfriend with him. And, and does she have learning difficulties? No. 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 So she, she was she able re- to. She, she relayed. She relayed most of what happened to us, but the the whole atmosphere was one of intimidation um, and um, being treated almost like a criminal, like they'd done something wrong. Yeah. And and th- this is this is the way that these people behave now. Thanks to Mr. Ian Duncan Smith, the man is a vo- man is vile. He's vile. And, you know, people, people need to be aware of what this government's actually doing to people with disabilities and learning difficulties. Simon, I can tell you're, you're uh, very upset about this, and I, I appreciate you giving me a call. Have you got a story like that about uh, assessment for uh, disability benefits? I do actually... I have to ask the question, Catherine. I do have to ask the question. I really appreciate Simon's story there, and it was, it was fascinating. I was very surprised, and I'm going to tread around this as sensitively as I can... I was very surprised to hear that the gentleman with learning difficulties had a girlfriend who did not have learning difficulties. And I wonder... Hey, listen, whatever goes, man. But I, I wonder how common that is in uh, in society. I guess learning difficulties are... Uh, br- there is a broad spectrum. I, exactly. And I, I wish we'd have had more time to talk to Simon to get more... Although that wasn't the point of the story, so it may have been inappropriate. But you, but you're right. Learning difficulties, it's, it's, a, it's a wide canvas. So who knows exactly where on that painting that gentleman was. It just struck me as as um, unusual, perhaps. Maybe someone can throw some light on that. I don't know. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, it's a phone number. Back to this story I was uh, just uh, touching on, the Daily Mail. It's a picture of that selfie that made Twitter crash. What a bunch of... I can't say that word in the radio, so I'll stop myself. Page three of uh, the Daily Mail is next to a photograph of Nigella not wearing makeup, not wearing very much makeup, actually wearing quite a bit of makeup. Bedroom TV makes a child gain weight. Having a television in their bedroom could make your child put on weight, regardless of how much they actually watch. Um, a study found that youngsters aged 10 to 14 years with a set weight around one pound more than those without. So it's not a massive amount. But we've talked about this before. Kids having TV in their bedrooms. Why would you do it? Why would you do it? It seems a ridiculous idea. What's the benefit? Oh, it, keep, oh, it keeps them quiet. Yeah, it keeps them quiet because they're watching telly. Shouldn't they be upstairs in their bedroom reading or playing? Or shouldn't they be out in the garden? Or shouldn't they be downstairs talking with the family? Shouldn't you be controlling the amount of television they want to watch? My little boy the other day, I was really tired, okay? really really tired i said do you want to do you want to should we put some cbb's on his response not yet i want to show you something boom that's brilliant success the answer to that question is always yes in my household always oh, and it, it quite often is yes i'm not saying that they're perfect by any stretch of the imagination but he'd had a really exciting day out with his grandpa and he said not yet i want to show you something and he wanted to show me all of the things he'd done that day and i thought and part of me went oh i'm so tired but most of me went 
Fantastic. We're doing something right here. The telly, it can be background to everything in my household, if we're not careful, and the kids tend to put their programmes on and then wander off. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm kind of glad about, but if you try and turn it off or turn it over, they notice. When they go into the kitchen for supper or meals, the television gets turned off. We quite have to pause it if they're watching yeah. Topsy and Tim or something. Yeah. And by the way, Tim's outgrowing Topsy... Tim, Topsy and Tim, they're supposed to be twins, aren't they? Yeah. Well, suddenly, Tim is like, he's about six foot tall, he's talking like that. All right, Topsy, let's play with the sticks. They'll give him a new head soon, won't they? they, they I think they'll do that thing where uh, Tim uh, will uh, be replaced by a younger, yeah. That's not Tim. Yes, it is. And by the way, Topsy and Tim's grandma. Wow. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. That's what I'm talking Anyway. Having TVs in kids' bedrooms is bad parenting. It is bad parenting. And, and people, oh, it keeps them quiet. It lets, it, it lets them sleep at night. It lets them focus. There's a comment on Facebook. Where's this? From Ben. My three-year-old had a telly in his room. I don't want to boost this post. Go away. My three-year-old had a telly in his room since he was 18 months. What? 18 months? As when he was younger, he would not settle in bed. Tough. Take the time to settle in. My boys won't settle in bed. I have to lie there with them. They're not getting a telly. He would sometimes take a couple of hours just to get him to sleep. We took it out two weeks ago. He goes to bed and is asleep within 30 minutes most nights now. Well done, Ben. Well done. That's what you need to do. Take it out. You got a telly in your room, Kelly? Yes. That's nice. Yeah. You got a new dog? I have. No, you didn't. What? Yesterday we were all excited because you, you got a new dog. You, you haven't got a dog. The place, the family I live with have a new dog. So the family she lives with. And they're technically my family. So you, you lied to us and you lied to all of your friends on Facebook when you posted a photo of you with your dog and then you came on the air yesterday. And, oh, I'll stop talking like that because yeah. people can't understand. No. Because you posted a photo of you with your dog and then you came on the air yesterday and you said, oh, I've got a new dog, I've got a new dog. Your, boy, your boys have a rabbit. Is it still your rabbit? My boys are exactly. four. My boys are four exactly. and two. You're nearly exactly. You're nearly thirty. Exactly. Are you just going to say exactly the whole, Catherine? Let's John's try. on the phone. Thank you very much indeed. What a poor argument. I'd have thought, but I'd have thought by hanging out with me, Kelly, that you'd have learned how to argue better. Exactly. There we go. You see. Exactly. Ah, yes. John's in Ickwell. Morning, John. Morning. John, what would you like to talk about? Uh, I'll tell you to me, mate. I was a long time in the military. Served in Korea and Malaya. Yeah. I come home and. Uh, couldn't settle, you know how you are when you come from them places. Yeah. Anyway, finally take a pub. Oh. End up in where my wife has a a woman's operation. A woman's operation, yes. Yeah, yeah. things are trouble. Yeah. Anyway, the whole family's there helping me out, so we decide that while she's away we're gonna make a place nice, so we're painting the toilets, ladies and gents, in the tap in Boys the and girls. Where. Yeah. Anyway, in the middle of the night my wife calls down that they're beating a police officer to death across the street. The, the, who, the, who's, who's beating a police officer? She break it into Ken Andrews, chemist, a friend of mine. Okay, okay. I had no idea where the story was going. Okay, yeah. So she yeah. calls down and she can see in Ken Andrews' chemists yeah, that the police officer yeah. is getting beaten to death. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. beating the hell out of a little young fella. Anyway, she shouts down to me and my brother and his little Keith, a big old boy, rubby fella. We dive out and we yeah. yards up a bit. Yeah. And hold on to people until the police arrived. Yeah. Never even got a thank you from them. Worst day's work ever done. Oh, so you and your brother Keith... Brother-in-law. Bro- I do apologise, John. Yeah. You and your brother-in-law, Keith, yeah, yeah. you went... Uh, what was your wife called? Vicky. Vicky. So Vicky says, John, they're beating up a copper over the road in Ken Andrews' chemist. He said they're beating somebody up outside. Right, OK. Yeah. So you and your brother-in-law, Keith, yeah. you hop over to Ken Andrews' chemist. How many uh, lads were there? Three of them. Did you get their names? 
police got them. I didn't get their names. Okay, you didn't get their names. We so, held them to a police got there, yeah. So you held them? You yeah. rescued, you, 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 and it was a copper getting beaten up? It was, yeah. Nice old boy, yeah. You, you, do you know his name? No, I no. don't know. So you, you, you rescued him, yeah, then yeah. the old Bill turned up, and they didn't even... They never even said thank you. <sighs> they never took us, uh, got to go to court to give evidence, and nothing. Oh, but I'll well. tell you what did happen. Bank police officers come out of bloody woodwork. They were in the pub every day. And uh, I'm going to tell you the whole story, but it's too long now. But uh, when I did finally retire, and I, my wife had had 20 operations nearly, yeah. and uh, we got home and we moved to Eatwell. We yeah. had a pub in Halsey, the last one. Yeah. We moved to Eatwell, and of course, um, they take her into the London Hospital, yeah. the 10 days for pain clinic, they called it. Yeah, oh dear. And I'm up and down like a silly man. Yeah. Told I was a lunatic, a green motorbike kept following me, and I thought, motorbikes don't follow you. Ex-military came round and round about to try and get his bloody number. Couldn't work out what was going on there, thought it was going potty. Anyway, come home, get her home. Night we come home, the place had been broke into. Oh, blimey. Now, I had that many fattening phone calls. The Beverage Police know all about it. All them tapes are missing. And not one thing has ever been done for me. So you, John, do you trust the police? Good God, no. Good God. The venue where it happened, yeah. that ran nine years without a licence or a oh, fire certificate. Oh. And they done nothing. They went to the High Court. Yeah. Nothing. John, can I ask? Yeah. Have well, you been listening to this to this show, my no, show, for a while, or are you new I to have, it? I always listen. In my, I do, I'm diabetic. I'm 80 years old. I'm in my 80s. I do exercise every morning between 10 and 15, 20 minutes, half hour. And I listen to your show. Yeah. Well, and uh, this is why I, my wife's due in hospital at lunchtime today. Oh, she's having another operation, is she? No, no, no. No, this uh, is a London one checkup. Good, pain, all right. Yeah. And things, you know. yeah. Uh, and I, I was appalled at what happened to that young kitty. You know, and I yeah. think, well, why, how can I? I've even wrote to the Independent Place Complaints Complaint you know, a number of times, and then they said the last letter, they never even heard from me. John, uh, listen, I really appreciate your call. Don't wait so long to give me a call again. 08459 455555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's talented Jonathan, the French pianist. <laughs> you remember me, Oh, Ian. brother, I, re- I listen, I don't get to see yeah. many uh, French penis, so it's always good <laughs> to, to get you on the show. What can I do for you? Oh, uh, yeah, no, thanks. I just wanted to uh, speak about, well, I've got a daughter, she's eight years old, yes. Yep. I've got a TV in the living room, a TV in our bedroom, and she's got a TV in her room. However... She's got a TV in her room? However, however... By parents. However, the, the, no, no, no. It may be acceptable in France, but not over here, no, no, monsieur. You, you haven't heard the rest of it. The monsieur. only one that's actually plugged to the satellite, monsieur, is the one in the living room, so we watch things as a family. She's only got a DVD player in her bedroom. What I'm more concerned about only. is she has a tablet... And you know these online video streaming websites? Like YouTube. These websites like, yes. Like and Vimeo. That one. Yes, yes, yes. Well, there you go. Those are the ones I'm scared about. Now, I'm very, very strict with regards to what she's allowed to see, put the parental controls, make sure she logs in on her age, all these kind of things. But I'd be more worried about what you can find on the web than what you see on Is TV. Is she allowed but, yeah. the tablet in her bedroom on her own? She is, however, oh, she logs in, sorry, listen, however, she logs in yeah. as an 8-year-old or an 11-year-old, the minimum age, so most stuff, most, um... Right. Well, uh, while, stuff you're there, she, while you're there, she does that. Who knows what she's doing, monsieur, when you're not there? 
Well, that's the thing. She can't access to it. She's not, um, yeah, she's not tech savvy. But basically, she's, she eight, access- she's an eight-year-old child, Jonathan. She's better around computers than you and I will ever be. Oh, I doubt it very much. I doubt it very much. <laughs> but anyway, so, yes. Um, <laughs> but, but see, you know, you know, you should not have a television dans la chambre. <laughs> you shouldn't. And no, why, do you, why, do you and Miss, why do you and Mrs. Jonathan want a, 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 a television dans la chambre? <laughs> well, we, we have it because we watch our, our TV series in the evening together. And that's what we do. But with regards to her having TV in her bedroom, she only watches the, you know, the occasional programs uh, on, record, recorded on DVD or, the, you know... Why can't you watch kind of your television programs dans la salon? Yeah, that's what we do. We only watch actual satellite TV in the living room as a family. And we do other stuff together. Don't like cuisine? karate, she's fit. No, 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 we don't have it when we eat. No, we don't do it when we eat. That's one thing that I'm, I'm against, really. Eating is a time, is a family, a family time together. I mean, we don't play like on dad? we do loads of stuff. Sorry? Do, do you not watch TV, Don't like Cochon on dad? Cochon Dan, that guinea pig. Why are you talking about guinea pigs? <laughs> Do you watch TV, Don La Pomme de Terre? La Pomme de Terre. I don't have a garden, no, so I don't grow any potatoes in my garden. Okay. Je parle, mais je parle français très bien. Je le suis français fier de l'être. Oh, very you. rude. I will not be spoken to like that on my show. Do apologise if anybody was listening. What did he say? That he was French and proud. Oh, I thought he said something completely different. I do apologise. My, my French is a little bit limited. Excuse it. Merci beaucoup. Ça va? Oui, ça va très bien. J'ai deux ans. Non. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Let's have Jonathan in the... Po- dans la podcast. Mais oui. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So cast your mind back, dear listener, four years ago, and you might remember some pretty rotten headlines about Luton being a hotbed of religious and racial extremism. Well, one of the measures brought in to address the negative publicity was to establish a group called Luton in Harmony. They've just celebrated their fourth birthday, so now would be a good time to have a look at what they've achieved. We sent Justin Dealey out to ask Lutonians whether they're feeling particularly harmonious. No, because everybody is arguing with everybody else. Nobody gets on with anybody. Everybody's moaning about everybody else. Culture, religion, everything. Has that improved at all in the last four years? It's got worse. What's really lacking in Luton, I think um, people don't really know that they could come together and do something better for Lorton because this is a multicultural city mm. and I think coming together is a great event. So what you're saying is that Luton, yes, is cosmopolitan but those communities are not really brought together. They all live in their own worlds. Yes, I think so. Yes, that is what is happening in Luton. Stephen, as somebody who's a young man living in Luton, do you feel like this town is in harmony? No, I don't know. There's too many divided groups, man. Because like... Luton and Harmony was set up four years ago to try and improve things in the town. Are you saying they've not succeeded in the slices, then? Well, I've never even heard of it, so... No, it's uh, it's getting worse. When you go into a shop and the people there, they, they look at you as though you don't belong in this town. And that That's because you're white? Yeah, because I'm white, yeah. Well, that was Justin speaking to people uh, earlier on. Listening to that was the vice chair of Luton in Harmony, Leroy Jenkins. Uh, Leroy, are you surprised by that? I'm absolutely shocked. 
I'm 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 absolutely shocked. Um, I mean, we we I'm just shocked. That that's that's yeah, that wasn't what I was expecting at all. Um, we've done quite a lot of work in the last four years. Um, this year, we've sort of achieved quite a lot. Um, whereas the, the the issue that was being brought up around on the news and you know in the general public was the you know we had the problems with the EDL and the extremists. Um, that's now sort of you know broken up the EDL's broken up I mean we haven't heard anything from the extremists at all um, but in in the interim from then we've managed to um, you know build up a, a nice rapport from um, local companies we've got community groups together um, we've got things I'll give you an example we had a charity event um, last Friday we raised £1,700 for a young lad that um, got killed in Marsh Farm last year um, we've got the Fair, tra- uh, fair Trade um, Carnival coming up there's, there's so many different events um, so I'm very very shocked Leroy, yeah. Justin Dealey, who did that Vox, has just joined me in the studio. Justin, I, I just want to mm. clarify, th- th- those answers came as you got them. That's, that's what you got, isn't it? Absolutely. Again, I need to make the point what which I made earlier on this morning. I haven't got like 15 or 20 minutes worth of audio. People saying great things about Lucen. I couldn't find anybody. Mm. I think this is really, really sad. I couldn't very find sad. anybody with anything good to say about their town. That man there, uh, he was talking about uh, walking into shops. He also told me that he's lived here for 30 years. He's spoken to his wife, he's had enough, he's leaving the town. He doesn't want his family in this town anymore because uh, there is too much tension for him. That is sad, isn't it, Leroy? It, it really is. I mean, I was born in St Mary's on Dunstable Road, um, lived there all my life, um, done a lot of charity work, a lot of community work, seen so many different people helping other people, um, and I, I'm just really shocked that you know people have thought that there's no community. I was going to say, Leroy, I think, I think the main thing which came up from speaking to people yesterday, something maybe you can take on board, is that people are saying to me, everyone was saying the same thing. Yes, there's a, you know, a whole host of diverse communities here in the town which is fantastic but those people aren't coming together those people live in their own communities and nobody is being brought together that's what they were saying to me yesterday everyone was saying the same thing i mean if 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 if, i mean i understand when if you're not getting involved in certain things then it's quite easy to sit back and say well everyone does their own thing Hmm. um i i basically live in lucy farm i deal with people in farley or i go to events in marsh farm hot coring um as i said um there's there's so many events going on we've just rebuilt um next uh, Loon and Harmony's website um, so it's loonandharmony.co.uk and we're going to be posting literally within the next two days there's going to be um, loads of events put on there that you can, people can get involved meet other people from different backgrounds um, I think the, there's quite a lot of people that are saying that there's not much uh, community mm. sort of growth but they're not getting involved. How do you get people to, to, to get involved, Lira? Because doing this show from Luton, uh, as I have done for over a year now, and, and we'll be here for a, a, a while longer, uh, we, uh, we all know there are some brilliant people in Luton, there are some talented people, there are, are some creative people, there are some friendly, generous people, but if they're not getting together, it, 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 it is kind of disparate little groups, isn't it? What, can you really get people to, to join together, create harmony in Luton? I, I, I 100% believe that you can. Um, I deal, I, from when I started four years ago, 
Um, I I saw what everyone was trying to do. We've got school kids. I mean, the birthday celebration was uh, amazing. Um, we had kids dancing. We had musicians. We had uh, people donating cakes. Um, we we had so many people turn up. I mean, the point is actually volunteering. If you don't volunteer, and the way to volunteer now is obviously through the website, or you know, just look out. I mean, we're we're going to be pushing Luton and Harmony a lot more. I mean, the advantage now is we're not battling against you know extremism um, we're just now trying to get the communities together but unless the communities get together and come forward and say we want to help you know it, it's never going to change do you think it is a, uh, well, uh, how can i phrase this um, without nailing my colors to the flag do you do, how how much of a benefit has it been for you with the edl's presence uh, in luton declining quite significantly I mean, I've, I've, I've put a lot of effort in myself personally to, um, you know, try resolve the issues that were there with the EDL and the extremists. Um, and now that they, you know, while they were there, it was a pain um, because it was showing the wrong side of Lewin. Um I was literally going to different events and actually meeting people, and they were like, you know, it's just I wish it'd stop. Um, you've got so, so many, like you say, so many good people out there. Now that the EDL's gone. Um, uh, that is why I'm shocked about what people have said mm-hmm. because I, I think people have got together now and it's like we haven't stopped we've carried on going we haven't said right the EDL has stopped so we'll close Luton and Harmony because the idea is that we carry on and we try you know build that relationship that people seem to think they're missing Leroy give us the website one more time so people can have a look at it it's Luton Excellent stuff. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much indeed. Maybe we can speak again in six months, a year's time, and we'll have a slightly better message from the people on the street. That's uh, the Vice Chair of Luton in Harmony. That's Leroy Jenkins. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you uh, want to give us a call. We've got some Facebook comments, haven't we, Kath? About We've got a fair few. Go on, yeah. give, us, give us some of them. Ian Davidson says, I don't think having a TV in a child's room automatically means you're a bad parent, as I had one in my room for the age of nine. He's now 29. But it was only for computer games. Playing time was also regulated, but not by time, but by my parents ensuring I nearly always had something better to be doing. I think if parents rely too heavily on TV, then it's lazy and counterproductive for the children. It's hardly surprising teachers are having an ever-increasingly difficult job of trying to infuse kids in traditional subjects with textbooks and chalkboards and julie tubby says oh my goodness tubby yeah julie tubby it's a it's a name okay oh my goodness whatever next everything in moderation my children didn't get a tv in there until they were 11-ish in fact it didn't work for most of the time as it needed sorting out oh a a broken electrical piece of equipment in a child's bedroom great great stuff guys it's nice for them to have some chill out time i had a tv in my room from the age of 10 i loved it and i was as skinny as a rake now my 40s i don't and i'm certainly not now (laughs) haha lol julie tubby oh well, I don't know. Is, is that's a name, is it? Yes. I don't think 11-year-olds should have chill-out time that involves watching television in their bedrooms. That's not chill-out time. What is it? What is it? K- Kelly, what is chill-out time exactly? What's chill-out? That's what I was going to ask. Well, you're a young person. Is it like... Is it like... <laughs> chillaxing? Yeah, chillaxing. Okay. Relaxing. Okay. Relaxing. Kids, I just Active. don't think... Can we just say relaxing? No, 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 no. We can't say that. Why? Well, because... That old school. Yeah, you're showing your age. Kids don't like to relax, though. It's they like not, to chillax. No, they just... They don't. They just want to play all the time. They should be riding their bikes, playing with Barbies or Cindy. Drinking hooch. No. No. Where I live, they eat, like, massive family packs of donuts. 
<laughs> Sorry? Yeah, You're, the park what? is just opposite the supermarket and they go oh. and buy massive packs of like Listen, sweet... 11-year-olds, he said, trying to rein in uh, the uh, slightly off-their-face crew who've been drinking some really posh coffee this morning. Let's be honest, it's given us all a good kick up the bottom. Ooh, I'm on the tea now. Well, <laughs> you're trying to come down. Yeah. <laughs> don't mix, don't mix uh, the uh, grape and the herb. No, hang on, what is it? The hops and the herbs. The grapes... The grape and the grain. Don't mix... Uh, don't take drugs, kids, is what I'm trying to say. But basically, children shouldn't have TVs in their bedrooms. TV should be a controlled uh, I- experience. You control it. You know what they're watching. You dictate what they watch. Um, and uh, Kelly Betts. I once had a telly in my room when I was, I think it was about nine, the telly downstairs, moved upstairs when we got a new one. Anyway, boring. Um, and I turned the telly on late one night. Yeah. And I watched about... Um, the impact of a car accident and what it can have on you as a person and how wow. you can die from it and I was nine and I was really scared and yeah. I turned the telly off and never watched it on my own again see she'd been watching with a responsible parent they would have explained they and allayed her fears they would have been able to talk her down from the ledge so to speak Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number thank you for your comments Julie uh, and Ian uh, do give us a call and discuss it kids should not have TVs in their bedrooms it's simple why do they need them there's a TV in the living room I, th- I used to have a TV in my bedroom when I was an adult, and getting rid of it was quite traumatic, but it, I, I realised it was one of the best things you could do. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly it's three minutes past eight. The end is in sight, dear listener. If we knuckle down, hunker down, crouch down, anyway, we can do this together. Lots coming up on the show, including another complaint against Bedfordshire Police. A woman with Down syndrome is told to get a job. And as Luton in Harmony celebrates its fourth anniversary, we're asking, is Luton in Harmony? We've not had anybody get in touch and say, yeah, no, come on, Luton's great. Luton's great, we're loving it. Please do call in if that's your opinion. I don't want this to be a one-sided, sideways glance at the news. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or we've got one, two, three, four lines free at the moment. So now is an excellent time to give us a call. If you call me now, you'll definitely get on the show. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A public meeting is being called in Luton tonight amid allegations a man with severe autism was punched by police. Farouk Ali has severe autism and wears a badge to explain this when he's out in public. His family insists he was wearing it at the time of the confrontation. Two officers have been placed on restricted duties while an investigation takes place. No one from Bedfordshire Police was available to talk to us this morning, but we do have a statement apologising for the distress caused to Farouk and his family. We can speak now to Tom Purser, the National Autistic Society's Senior P- uh, Policy and Participation Officer for Central England. Blimey, Tom, that's a long title. certainly is. You've got all the words in there. <laughs> What's your reaction to, to a story like this? Well, obviously, it's very disappointing that there's the distress for Mr Ali and his family, and obviously can't comment on the actual details of the case itself. Our reaction is that it simply underlines um, the need for greater autism awesome awareness training for everyone involved in the criminal justice system. 
Do you know what this badge is that he would have been wearing? Is that a common thing? I don't know the specifics of the badge itself, but we are aware that there are a number of schemes um, which run around the country which are autism-alert type situations. They can be a card which people keep about their person or in their wallet. Sometimes it can be something that a carer carries. National Autistic Society has such a card. And Autism Anglia, which is a a charity local to the east of England, um, they operate a similar scheme which is specifically for the emergency services and does explain very clearly about um, the sorts of things which people such as the police would need to know about someone with autism. Well, give, give me some examples. I know that, that autism is, is a wide spectrum and, and, and it, it, every case is unique, but give me some of the things that the police would need to be aware of. So there is a real range of things. Um, so people with autism, they have a lifelong developmental disability which affects the way they communicate, interact with the world around them. Um, what that can mean in situations with, with the police, it can be anything from if a person is stopped on the streets, someone with autism may find giving eye contact very challenging, very difficult. Of course, the police will often like someone that they stop on the street to look them in the eye and speak loudly and clearly to their face. People with autism may find that very difficult. They may not want to do that. They may not understand that that's something they are expected to do. Uh, and so the police can then find that a very... Uh, can misinterpret that behaviour as something which then needs to be challenged and situations can escalate from there. I guess the, the police are often have to make snap decisions and uh, you know their safety is potentially at risk they're not always going to make the right decision are they can they be blamed for that there's always going to be difficult situations but this simply underlines the fact that you need to ensure that when you when police are getting into situations they've got the training and the understanding of a, a whole range of conditions and autism is definitely one they need to understand because it affects more than one in a hundred people in the uk around the world so they're going to come across people with autism in their daily work and it's going to be so important that when they go into any situation they're able to quickly assess it to know that that to recognise the signs of autism and know that they can adapt their behaviour in a way to take the 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 difficult situation away from being something which could be something a threat to them or or something difficult to them and actually de-escalate it and so they can deal with it in a much better way which has much better outcomes for everyone involved not least the person with autism and the police themselves tom are there some people out there who are unaware that they've got autism or, or, or would it be blatantly clear to them and those around them we are contacted by people who uh, are diagnosed with autism later in life, who perhaps have always known that they were different, um, but uh, haven't had access to uh, the kinds of services um, that could diagnose them and haven't had access to that proper information. The Autism Act, which came into force in 2009, says that there must be pathways to diagnosis for all adults um, in every part of the UK so that people who perhaps have always felt that there is something different about them and have always struggled with social situations and things like that um, are able to access that assessment and that diagnosis. The National Autistic Society also offers information on our website and also on our helpline which people can get at 0808 800 4104 and that includes um, information not just about autism generally but specifically about criminal justice um, so we do have a criminal justice pack that anyone interested whether it's people with autism and their families or criminal justice uh, professionals can access.
Tom, I really appreciate your time this morning. It's Tom Purser from the National Autistic Society. Well, we did ask Beds Police for an interview. We were told they wouldn't be putting anyone forward. In a statement, they said they're sorry for the distress caused to Mr Ali and his family. Well, another negative story about the police in Luton. There's been a few of them, haven't there, Justin? There has been quite a few. And um, this morning, Ian, I've been talking to people outside the police station, asking them whether they have confidence and trust in the police force locally. Uh, some mixed reaction. Here's what people had to say. Stuart, you live in Luton. Have you got any confidence in the police force here? Um, not really, no. No, uh, obviously, my friend of mine died in police custody, Leon Briggs. Um, I've been let down a few times where um, I was actually mugged um, reported it to the police um, because there was no witnesses or anything like that basically they just said there's nothing that they can do so Mm. someone got away scot-free and I ended up obviously being the victim and no one done anything so you mentioned your friend Leon yeah Um, also talking about another case today how can Lucen improve their PR because we're talking again in a in a negative way about the police force here what can they do well they need to start taking more interest and and um, obviously be more around on the streets I mean I've seen a few things walking around in Luton and the police are just nowhere to see you know, nowhere around you know? what have you seen? I've seen all sorts of energy from drug dealing and like people being attacked and beaten up and the police just, just, just there's no one around when you need them they're never here and when you don't need them they're always around it's always the way so if you had a problem walking down the street right now and you were attacked would you even bother phoning no. the police? no I wouldn't no. There's, no there's no point like I said I've been mugged I've, and nothing happened I mean the police just didn't want to know they came out didn't even take a statement I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bother with them do you think that will improve in in the months and years to come do you think your attitude might change no no definitely not a bunch of I mean it's it's not just me it's happening to a few people where the police are just not paying interest in it now so no not, not in my opinion they've, they've, they've caused their own backs now that's it well, very simply sir do you have confidence in the police force here in Luton Yes, I think I do. Um, it's a high-pressure job. Uh, there's a lot, lot of challenges, especially in Luton, considering how many people are here and the level of crime. So they're under pressure um, from the public to do a good job, and I think they serve the community well. So you'd have no problem phoning the police? Or you believe that they would come to you, that they would still deal with your problem correctly and efficiently? I think they would, yeah. There's a lot of bad press, but um, I would, if you're in the problem, the best people to speak to are the police. It's a mixed bag, isn't it, Justin? I, I do wonder how the police are going to win back uh, trust. Mm, I mean, it's tough. I mean, th- they have got a very, very tough job. And to be fair here, Ian, you know, uh, when it comes to good news being reported, we would rarely do that when it comes to the police force. It's always the bad stories which yep. get picked up by us and, of course, the public as well. But, but a lot of people have lost their faith. That man there who has been mugged in the past, if it happened to him again, he wouldn't even bother making the phone call. That, to me, is quite depressing. Just what are you doing for the rest of the hour? Um, I'm going to be talking to parents about whether children should be having TVs in their bedrooms, something which uh, you're not a fan of, Ian. I think it's a ridiculous idea. I think it's, <laughs> I, it, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say borderline abuse, but, but, but it, I do think it's terrible. I think it's awful mm. for the children to rot their brains by watching TV in their bedrooms, and the parents don't know what they're watching. Mm. And with Freeview TV, I don't know if you've heard of a station, Justin, uh, called uh, Babe Station? Yeah, it? yeah, very good. Uh, uh, sorry? <laughs> you've got the box set. Yeah. Um, well, you can get that on 
Freeview. Kids could watch that stuff. I know, I know. Freeview has changed television, that's for sure. But so hopefully before nine, Ian, I should be live outside of school okay. talking to parents. The point that you want to put to parents this morning, if you have a child under the age of ten and yep. they have a TV in the bedroom, you are a bad parent. Yes, sir. Correct. Mm. That maybe, should be interesting. Maybe leave my name out of it. <laughs> Justin, thank you very much indeed. Good, he's busy. He's got his hands full, which is which is good. Oh eight four five nine four double five five of I was very quickly want I'm, I'm drawn to the front page of the sun. If you've seen it, you'll know why. There's a girl in her pants holding her boobs. That's why. It's Checkham Tuesday. This is the Suns' fight back against the uh, anti-Page 3 campaign. They're now kind of saying, actually, whoa, actually, it's not just a little bit of harmless fun. Um, it d- doesn't just bring a smile to uh, the faces of millions of people across the country. It's also got health benefits. It's Checkham Tuesday. There's Rosie, 22, from Middlesex, saluting, wearing uh, some pants and covering her boobs. Page 3 versus breast cancer. The Sun today launches a life-saving campaign to urge Brits to get to know their boobs. Our iconic Page 3 has joined forces with breast cancer awareness charity Copperfield to kick off Checkham Tuesday. Join our campaign to save lives. Has anyone else heard of Copperfield before? I've no, not heard of the Copperfield. You look, you look decidedly uh, oh, road it's just so cynical. weary. It's just so cynical. And, you know, statistically, 22-year-old women, although unfortunately it does happen, they're less likely to get it than older women. So but if they were really serious, then they'd have 40 to 50-year-old women on there. And they're is, not, they I. did a similar thing, not similar, they, they did a thing um, a few years ago with testicular cancer, where they kind of made it a fun campaign for men to check their testicles. And testicular cancer, now, I, I can't remember, what, I, I won't do the statistics, but the statistics are, are really good of, mm-hmm. of, of men surviving. Something like, I think it's something like 90% or 90 percent of men survive testicular cancer because partly because of this this fun campaign hey guys check your, your bits and pieces is this not a similar thing making it a bit fun making it something that we can all talk about who's it fun for i don't know i mean I, everyone's I, happy everyone gets to see the boobs i'm seeing my mum today and she she's getting treated for for the breast cancer this campaign wouldn't have helped her she wouldn't have been more likely to have, have copped a feel. It doesn't seem like it's a campaign for women, that's all I'm saying. Let's, I, I'm going to put it out there, because I don't, I don't know. I, I, yes, I'm, part of me thinks he's being slightly cynical and thinks, ah, there was a big furore recently about page three. This is them kind of justifying it. What do you think? If you've seen the front of the, the sun today, helpful medical advice... Or cynical justification of an outdated concept. Now, Jonathan Vernon Smith is. Yes. Uh, oh no, hang on, you're there. Uh, you've moved me. You've moved. See, you. And you forgot where Mick, I was. Mick Dillon's barged his way in with his big wheelchair, so we've all had to kind of jump to attention and move around to accommodate you, Mick. Good morning. Good morning. We'll be with you in a second. You can chip in at this if you want, but this is where JVS kind of sets up his stall and lets us know what's happening on the show this morning. Happy Pancake Day, by the Happy way. Happy Pancake Day. It Thank smells you. of. Uh, did you get the waft of hot cross buns when you entered this building? And lemon. And lemon as well, you Mick see. Mick Coffer, I believe, is uh, making pancakes for everybody oh. today. Well, you say, oh, <laughs> I'm suspicious of Coffer. <laughs> i tell you why. Because uh, I suspect, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow he's hosting The Breakfast Show, he's hosting your show, he's hosting The Nick Coffer Show, and he's hosting Roberta. I wouldn't be surprised if he poisons us all. In some kind of Do weird... Do you reckon that's what's behind it? I'm sorry. When he sent the email around saying, hey guys, I'm bringing in pancake mixture and I'm bringing... I just From part- a well-known supermarket. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. Part of me just thought, hmm, I'm not going to eat those pancakes, Coffer. 
because I think you're going to try and murder me. I'll, I'll level with you. I don't like pancakes. Oh, really? I think they're very overrated. Yeah. Basically, it's like a, it's like a floppy Yorkshire pudding without the gravy, isn't it? Oh, you're making it down. That's made it sound good. That does sound good, doesn't it? Although I like it crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your show today as we celebrate the magic of Pancake Day? Uh, we won't be celebrating the magic oh. of Pancake Day, I'm afraid, oh. but we will be talking about the cost of childcare. Um, I'll be asking on this morning's big phone-in at nine, should the government pay more to help working parents afford childcare? Many parents in Britain are now paying more for childcare in a year than they pay for their mortgage. That's according to new research from the Family and Child Care Trust. Their figures show the average fees for one child in part-time nursery and another in after-school club are £7,500 a year. Seven and a half grand! Whilst the average UK mortgage last year was £7,200 and the cost of full-time childcare now stands at a whopping £11,700 per year. That's two-thirds more than a mortgage. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views. Should the government pay more to help working parents afford childcare? Do you think it's down to the taxpayer to contribute more, the government to help parents out more? Yes. Yes? Yeah, I do. If they want to get people back to work, that, that some people just simply cannot afford to go back to work because of those incredible costs that you, you've, you've talked about. 7,000... Uh, what was it? Seven th- over £7,000 for part-time and over 11000 for full-time care. Yeah. Um, apparently, the government have committed next year to paying £1,200 per child for your child care. Sounds like a good start, yeah. Well, it's a start, isn't it? But yep. it's not really going to help if it's over 7000 and over 11000 mm. Do they need to be paying some more? More. From nine this morning, I want your views on this. Should the government pay more to help working parents afford childcare? Your calls on 08459 455 555. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, as part of BBC Three Counties uh, Radio's big tour, all this week we're in Kempston in Bedfordshire hearing about the news that matters to you. And if you're from that area uh, and you've got a story you'd like us, well, if you're from any area, but particularly from that area this week, uh, then do email us, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. And Kempston is where we met Heather and Kim Petty. 25-year-old Kim has Down syndrome and as part of the government's recent welfare reforms was assessed and found not to have learning difficulties. Her benefits were stopped and she was told to get a job. Well, after an 18-month battle, Kim family managed to get that decision overturned but they're not happy with the way she was treated. Joined now by Mick Dillon from the Disability Resource Centre in Dunstall. Morning Mick. Morning. Uh, have you heard of cases like this before? Uh, unfortunately we have uh, and it's a, a growing trend uh, and you could say that there is an issue that the DWP's strategy for reducing uh, the number of uh, claimants for disability benefits is now coming home to roost with some ridiculous decisions. It, we spoke to, uh, to Kim's mum earlier on, and she said the assessment was done by filling in a form. Yeah, there, there, there's certainly the... Uh, there, was no, there was no face-to-face. No, no, and that, that's sometimes the start point and the problem. Uh, you can certainly under Employment Support Allowance, ESA, which is probably the most complex and, and shades of grey benefit there is, uh, is trying to make a judgement on someone's uh, ability or disability. Uh, and within ESA particularly, uh, we'll come to PIP in a second, but ESA is certainly looking at not just a person's cognitive ability as an individual in society perhaps, also their, in theory, related tasks in work. So it's very, very complicated, and there's a sort of a point scoring system, and this has been in the last year, to try and take the, uh, to create more subjective, so that rather than someone saying presiding yay or nay, they've made it more subjective to make it fairer. 
the reality is that uh, along with quotas uh, that it is becoming uh, less fair uh, and you get ridiculous decisions uh, someone's disability and whatever spectrum it is you know some some decisions that they should work and clearly they can't so you, you you've got incidents of people who are unable to work yep. but have been told they have to well the examples are we we have a welfare benefits provider uh, advisor uh, locally and you know she will talk about two identical cases as much as someone can be identical uh, so the same disability the same needs the same aspirations as well one can be awarded a higher rate uh, on on within esa because it's a very complex structure of award as well mm. And another person with very, very similar uh, needs, etc., can be awarded a much lower one. Uh, and then it's even down to the DWP can overturn those decisions. So it's becoming very uh, judgmental. And the quota system feels to be kicking in, and it's taken a year, and there's been lots of concerns and doubts about it. But, of course, you can never prove, if you're the sixth person on the list, that you're the one not going to win. Must be very stressful for people. It's difficult for, for not just my staff giving that advice because they can feel the, the pressure. But, you know, the example you've spoken of, of Kim, it took a year, year and a half to mm. be shown that they were correct. And that's a year and a half of energy, frustration, battling and despair sometimes. And it just shows you that if statutory sector doesn't listen to what individuals with a disability, their family and carers contribute, to someone's case you can get the outrageous situation of Connor Sparrowhawk who, who's a young guy who died in Oxfordshire and we sent out our condolences to his family because that death was avoidable and they didn't listen to, to, to his family about what his needs were what was his story I don't know that story well, it's, it, and, and that's the trouble it's such a a, a tragic story that was avoidable uh, he had a learning disability uh, went into a acute hospital uh, uh, he has epilepsy uh, and was not actually given the care and support he needed to to make it safe for him to have a bath mm. uh, and you know first of all it was a, a natural death uh, and you know how people try to probably cover up some of the realities that, that's the difficulty and it was actually been proven that there's many many points that failed him but that shows you that if people aren't looked at in a holistic fashion with family and contributing to sport as well that you get ridiculous decisions or as you say with Connor's situation a ridiculous outcome uh, one of the uh, problems that uh, uh, Heather has Kim's mum is she is concerned that Kim will be assessed again in the future and while some conditions like Downs won't necessarily they won't get better they can only you know at best stay level possibly get worse it is right that people are reassessed isn't it Be well, I, I think... Because some conditions are fluctuating. Uh, of course, but I mean, within the term of the, the Equality Act now, right, uh, uh, definition of disability, it is, you know, if the underlying trend of that disability is going to, to be consistent. So, you know, if he's, most people with a disability can't get better. Medical science cannot improve that. So nearly a part of the equation that can improve is society's attitude or the way society professionals judge people but there are some conditions that fluctuate ms is the one that springs to mind because my mum's got it is that yeah. when it's really really hot they can be quite poorly and when it's not so hot actually they can yeah. they can be but the better. underlying trend is still ms isn't it it yeah. doesn't you know even with a bit of respite good days and bad days that some people have the underlying trend is do you have that condition and you, you know, unfortunately you won't get better hmm. uh, and even if uh, a condition is, is static and assessed so, some more variable conditions, you know, they should. Uh, and, you know, we've always said that the most needy should be supported, the most vulnerable. And we all know people who get benefits who clearly shouldn't. To be fair to the government in its reformation, it's trying to weed that out. You could say that in a very heavy-handed and, and sometimes crass way, DWP is actually 
you know just getting a sledgehammer and actually cracking the wrong situations you know when you look at pips you have a much which is the new dla yeah. if i call it that uh pips is where you can actually have a lot more people contributing to someone's individual case uh, an example in pips briefly is that if you know when you're assessed around the home perhaps and your ability to do things independently or not around the home or how you do things if you transfer uh, onto a toilet you know, just be very blunt about these things they have to happen if uh, you imagine you swing on a radiator and you hang on the basin and, and it takes you 10 minutes to do that task under pip it should be looked at how you do it safely reliably uh, repeatedly as well mm. you know and the manner in which you do it so that actually yes you can do it but it takes 10 minutes rather than 10 seconds and that should be recognized that it's a real issue the danger in ESA, uh, not quite a similar task, but it would say, right, it's taking you 10 minutes, but you've done it. So it would just say, you can do it perfectly well. It doesn't take into the, the effort that has been yeah, required. The, the actual, I was going to say detail, but the actual yeah. context of how you do it. Yeah. It would just say, yeah, you get from A to B, end of story. Mick, we've got 30 seconds. If people uh, have had a decision like Kim's uh, that's been made and they are unhappy with it, what can they do? Well, there's always a right to appeal, but it's about getting good support and evidence, and that's through the Resource Centre and other local providers as well. Uh, you have to build a case up, and it's not just about looking at worst case it's actually we give the opportunity to sort of really get people to contribute to the situation so that the true picture of how you do things mm. and your ability not just your disability is taken into to consideration mick always nice to see you looking very smart today well new glasses i can't see a thing <laughs> can you not no good for you excellent oh eight four five nine four double five five double five call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five bbc three counties radio you have to bear with me. I've just been sent a picture of my son dressed as a chicken, and I want to resize it so I can set it as my desktop wallpaper. So just bear with me. Across beds, hearts, and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. That's done it. It was worth waiting for, wasn't it? That's so cute. It's a good picture, isn't it? There you go. It's, uh, he used to wear that when he was a little baby, and he's obviously just refound it, or found it, and he's, so he's dressed as a, as a chick. Aww. You see, isn't that sweet? Yeah. It's uh, World Book Day soon. Yeah, I know. My daughter's got to go to school in her pyjamas. What book is that? It's about bedtime stories, oh. the theme, you see. Oh, I see. We're, we're deciding whether the tiger who came to tea, um, the uh, hungry caterpillar, I hope he doesn't go for that one because I hate that costume. Oh, that's the best book ever. Oh, it's a great book. Still. It's a great book, but I don't like the costume. The costume's thoroughly unpleasant. The last time we had World Book Day, my daughter went as Veruca Salt. Do you want to borrow that? No. Can we dress up for World Book Day? Totes, we can! When is it? I don't know. Is it next week? Uh, Mum? Fr- Friday. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. It's Friday. Mum ringing. Daughter's Friday. School. The other option is okay. Peter Rabbit, which I hope he goes for, because the rabbit one's good. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. We'll do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, we'll Are we really going to do it, though? Because yes. it's normally just me that turns up in no, costume. No, 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 no. Hey, I turned up last time. Well, well, I bought my uke. Yeah, the bringing a, a, a tiny guitar does not count as a costume. Yeah, I was a beetle. Who could I be in World Book Day? I've got a Batman costume, and there must be a Batman book. Yeah. Save some money. Comic. Comic. Well, it's, there's, I mean, like the graphic novels they're called. Can we do biographies? Oh yeah, totes, Ooh. totes. <sighs> this is exciting. The possibilities are, are literally endless. Yes. But yeah, I still can't think of one. Mm. 
You can come as uh, Bilbo Baggins. Me? Kelly. <laughs> yeah, you're the right height for a hobbit. Thank She's you. got hairy feet. Does it have to be one that you've read? We should probably think about this off air, actually, Shall we? shouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, probably so best to do that. Silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll think about that off air. Any suggestions? 81333. Start your text 3CR. Peter's in Warmer Green. Morning, Peter. Good morning. Peter, what, can I, what do you want to moan about today? I mean, what do you want to say today? Well, my wine today, really, is uh, quite a significant one, really. It's working to government formula. Yes. The council has had to put up my rent by £364 a year. Okay. Which is, uh, for a pensioner... It's quite difficult. It's not. It's not like two or three pence on on pe- so petrol. So it's, it's it's seven pounds a week. Seven pounds twenty eight a week, based on a fifty week year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they also, uh, I also received a letter very close to that one, offering me twenty five p a week because I'm eighty. Yeah. And that worked out to thirteen pound a year. I would suggest a seven pounds a week increase. Yeah. From a, uh, it, it now exceeds my basic old age pension. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's still, it's still, uh, it's still not that much compared to what some people are. are well, hold on, if you, if, you, if you don't think that's much, you, you you just look up on the internet just how much the pension increases for a week. Well, no, but, I, but I'm just, I'm just saying, Peter. No, don't waffle. That sounds a bit like Boris. No, don't, don't waffle. Don't say I sound like Boris Karloff. Is that what you're talking about? No. <laughs> uh, uh, Boris Becker. No. I don't think any of Boris's. The one with the one with the air he keeps coming over the top, so he don't show he's going bald. <laughs> but, but, uh, I'm trying to think of Mr. some... Mr. Johnson. Oh, Boris Johnson. <laughs> ah, well, yeah, well, yes, I mean, the point, the point about the bicycle is, well... That's right. Peter, thank you very much. Always good to hear your daily whinge. You put your headphones on, Catherine, it means you want to say something. I know what I'm coming as. Um, uh, Lolita. No. Oh. I'm going to wear my evil queen costume. Is she Spanish? No. Can she be? Oh, stop it. What? Don't do that. Go on. Pervert. <laughs> What's perverted about the Spaniards? Well, actually, though, you say that. Kelly, any more, uh, more ideas? Well, if she's coming as the evil queen from Snow White, I could come as happy. Dopey. <laughs> well, happy. And just wear my smile. The, the, the important question is, is not always what we're going to come as. What's Justin going to go out on the street dressed as? <gasps> oh. That's the question. Has he read a book? <laughs> I'm joking. He's he not. does. He He's reads charts. Clever. He takes that book. <laughs> he the reads the charts book. He does. He sits there reading uh, the Billboard greatest hits. We'll find out. Dennis, what do you? What, what would you dress up uh, as for World Book Day? I'd dress up as a policeman and come round and batter the lot of you. Okay. In, in line of what we're talking about this morning, probably not the most appropriate comment you could have made, but well, I think Justin Dealey. Just, uh, just a minute, please. Sorry? I wasn't. T- ringing you about that. I was oh. ringing about this business of no tellies in the bedroom for the children. Yes. Now, you know very well that I'm the age of any few three put together. So I've lived a long time. This goes back for your generations out of date now. You are an, you're at least one generation out of date. What are you banging your on about? Your children will be running rings around you any minute now. No. As they do now. No. But technically. I took, saying no. I took, I took a great step. My little boy, my eldest. Yes. Oh, Catherine's just shown me her costume. Wowzers. That should come with a public health warning. Yes, I will cast, cast a spell on you. Yeah, too right you will. You sound like the age of your children. 
children. They, they, my, I've taken great leaps forward in um, my uh, parenting of my children. Cause my eldest has been a right little so and so at bedtime recently, right little so and so. And last night, before it happened, I said, "Right, young man, I know you get angry. And I know you find it difficult to control your anger. I really want you to work on it tonight, because if you don't, there will be consequences. The consequences will be you'll not phone mummy, uh, who's at work. You'll not get a story, and I won't talk to you. Instead, I'll talk to your brother. Okay? And he tried, and so I walked out of his room. I took his youngest brother to his bed, and I got in bed with him. And the eldest climbed and said, I want to hear a story. And so I was reading a story to the youngest, and he took the book off me. He said, you're not going to read that story. And he threw the book away. I said, well, that's fine. Then I'm going to make up a story. You will not make up a story. I said, yes, I will. And I started making up a story. And I started making up a story about his youngest brother. And then the oldest one went... I want to be in this story. I said, you're not going to be in this. I want to be in this story. I said, you're not going to be in this story, young man. And I started telling a story, Dennis, about his youngest brother flying in a helicopter. I'm in the helicopter too. And then they went to la- uh, then he landed in a jungle. I'm in the jungle too. No, you're not. And then a monkey came along and carried the youngest. I want a monkey to carry me along as well. I want him over, Dennis. Hello? I'm listening to this rubbish. <laughs> oh, come on. It's, I'm, I'm no, pouring my me. soul no, to you. Boy, hang on a minute. I had three sons, yes. and I didn't side with any of them. I don't give gratuitous advice to them to start with. Right. And I said to them, oh, you, no, no. you work out your own no. problems between you. Here comes the thing. Here comes the thing, Dennis. Yes. Right. Who's your favourite son? I haven't got a favourite okay. son. Okay. I'll put it this oh, way. Okay, okay, but who's your no, no, favourite? Just, just hang on a second. Who's your favourite? I have a son which I've got a bad back for leaning over backwards not to not to favour him. I've, I've worked vet assiduously not to favour any of my children. Okay. So you, you, you're two boys when they were younger. Three. three you got three boys? Yes. you still got three boys? I hope so. Okay. There's a fire, Dennis. Yes. You can only save one of your boys. That's one of those situations which, God, I hope it would never happen. I pray to, I I pick, pray to God it's I never pick, happened. Which one would I you would save? I pick the one nearest to the door. Wow. Which one's that? I don't know. The youngest? No. It's the youngest, Not isn't necessarily. it? It's the youngest, isn't it? No. Yeah? No. The eldest? No. The middle one? Yes, I've got a middle one as well. <laughs> so Dennis's favourite son is the middle one. We got there in the end. Who's your favourite daughter, Catherine? Um, the one who's behaving herself. Who's your favourite, Kelly? Your mum or your dad? Um, oh, let's have a think. Or your dog? Mums. Oh, my dog. <laughs> my favourite would be my mum. Um, and my favourite... Uh, it's your youngest. Your favourite son is your youngest. You know me so well. Your oldest is my favourite. Yeah. He's naughty. He's very naughty. (sighs) It's just a phase, you know, we all grow out of it. Oh, look, now there's a picture of my youngest dressed as a chicken and the costume fits him. I might have to put that as as he's my favourite. You're going to replace. I might have to. Oh, my goodness. You could do a split screen. I don't know how to do that. No. Do you know? Do you have the technology to do that? Yeah, man. Really? Yep. If I send you the pictures, could you could you do a split screen? Yeah. Do you want your youngest to be bigger? Yeah. 
Hang on, look, look at this. Oh, come on. Come on, guys. How could that oh not be the favourite? Why did you decide to buy a chicken costume for your child? Because <laughs> this is the great thing about being a parent. When they're babies, you could, this was when the eldest was a baby for Easter, you can dress them up in anything you want and they can't do nothing about it. We've got dinosaur. Yep. Actually, it's George Pig dressed as a dinosaur, yep. which is weird. Um, we've also got Wonder Woman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My sister lives in America. You can get all kinds of stuff there. Yep. We've got a cheerleader. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What? A cheerleader? Yeah, not a rude for one. For a young girl? Not a rude one. It's basically a gym kit. That's totes inappropriate. No, it's not. What are you going to dress? Have you got the hooker costume as well? No. I thought you would. I thought you would bulk at the um, Wonder Woman costume, but it's not that one either. It's kind of an innocent version. Well, I mean, but but as a cheerleader. What? Jeez. They're athletes. They're not there to perv over. We, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, exactly. We've got. Um, uh, I'm not finished. We've got all the Disney princesses. We've got. We've got Marie Antoinette. That was my personal choice. We have got doctor, f- nurse. We have. Hello. We have got the uh, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a bear we've got um, uh, Buzz and Woody Can I put you and up? now they've got superhero costumes as well right. and yeah. firemen and doctors sounds like there's some work to do in your no, toy box no. need to get some more costumes ok thank you very much indeed um, Trevor what do you want hello are you alright yeah fine what have you got for me it's a pass a message on to Justin it's a what it's a pass a message on to Justin uh, uh, I suppose we can do that yeah go on Put his phone down, get on with some work, and lose the snood. Have you just spotted him? I have, yeah. Is he on the phone? <laughs> that was me that gave him the horns just now. Yeah, I bet you did. And, and he's, he's, <laughs> he's got his snood on. <laughs> yeah, the, like the snood. It does, the, fair play, he, he does an adequate job, but doesn't he look ridiculous? <laughs> Trevor, thank you very much indeed. A um, couple of texts here. John from Datchworth. Ian, the DWP also makes the decisions on people's lives without knowing anything about claimants' actual illnesses. My wife has a debilitating inherited illness that most doctors and nurses admit to knowing nothing about. Ill people's lives are being made worse by useless pen pushers. And uh, David has um, has texted in, in regards to what Jonathan's going to be talking about, should uh, the government be helping people with childcare and things like that? And um, we, we discussed it briefly, but David has texted in, listen to what you're saying, should the government pay more? No, no, no! Should people have children only when they can afford them? Yes, yes, yes. The reason the UK is a magnet for benefit tourism is the idiocy of the loony left and the apologist BBC. Thanks very much. Uh, indeed. Uh, the thing is, David, you, you, you're wrong. Because obviously we want people to go to work. We want more people to work. We want parents to work. But if they can't afford childcare because childcare is uh, uh, offensively expensive then they can't afford to go back to work. So you're, you're, you're arguing with yourself there, David. If, if childcare is £7,000, £11,500, then uh, the parents, the, the, they can't afford to take a second job quite often because of the expense of childcare. It's not, afford, it's not about being able to afford children. I agree with you completely. You shouldn't have kids unless you can afford to have kids. But childcare is so offensively expensive. And jobs quite often pay so poorly that they're caught between a rock and a hard place. You can start calling JVS now if you want, 08459 455 555. Colin's in Dunsmore. Morning, Colin. Good morning, sir. It's World Book Day soon. Do you know when it is? No. Oh, blimey. Well, thanks for calling. Um, 
I just um, called to say... I love you no. and I mean oh, it from the bottom of my heart. Oh, dear. Hey? Um, no, I, I, I rang Kelly, actually. Oh. To, um... Say, you love her. a warning. Yes, a warning. Well, yeah, she she made this. She, nobody else has picked up on it. Colin, get to get to the point, man. Spit it out. No, I'm not going to. A warning. About, I wh- don't want to embarrass her. A warning about what? Something she said. Oh gosh. What? Well, was it? Um, uh, let's go through the list. Was it racist? No, no, no. Phew. No, no, no. no, no was no. it disabledist? No. Hey, wouldn't have been homophobic. No. Hey, well then, what could it have been that was so bad? No, it wasn't that bad. It was just that I didn't want her to be embarrassed. Okay, Colin. Kelly, Kelly, what earth is Colin banging on about? I think it's when I said I would come as happy the dwarf and wear only my smile. Yep. We've had some texts on that, actually. Oh, have you? You'll be astonished to know, Colin. Uh, no, no, I'm not. Colin, why did you stop? Why did you talk her out of doing that, you silly? I would have posted pictures on the no, internet and everything. don't be me I would have posted. Pi- I would have posted pictures on Facebook and everything. Us small people have got to stick oh, together. You've, oh, really, you've really got... Hey, there was a, a thing in one of the papers at the weekend that small people, as well as being bitter and twisted, they're also not as intelligent as normal-sized people. Um, it was in a proper paper, like the Telegraph or the Times or something. Blimey. Yeah. Are you a bit thick? <clears throat> Definitely not. You sure? Possibly. Tell, tell me a fact. Tell you a fact. Yeah, go on. Um, ah, struggling. No. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, I three, can't think of anything. Three twelves. Two or three, thirty-six. Nine twos. Eighteen. Four eights. Fifty-six. Ah, oh, four eights of fifty-six. Uh, thirty-two. Yeah, get out of here. Short people. It was in the paper. Short people, as well as uh, having massive chips on their shoulders, are also not as intelligent as normal people. I am tall and I am intelligent. Catherine is tall. She is intelligent. Kelly Betts is tiny. Are we small because the chip on our shoulder is so big it's weighing us down? You see, chips. <laughs> Whoa, chips! You had chips last night, didn't you? Oh yeah. I had chips the night before. Oh, chips. Oh, I, could, I drove past a chippy as well last night, and I thought, oh, I could really... A big... Bat- and it's a proper old-fashioned English chippy. Well, it comes in newspaper. You no, know, it doesn't come in newspaper. Oh, They're not allowed to do that anymore. That's why? illegal. Why? That was, the f- that was the first ever health and safety rule that was brought in, and boy, that, it, it was the thin end, uh, thin end of the wedge. Hello? Yes, <laughs> sorry. Justin Dealey. Oh, let's try this one. Justin! Good morning, boss. Yeah, you're on Fader 3. Kelly yes. Betts said Fader 2. Uh, and, uh, can't get the start. I'll be sorry. honest, Justin. Mm. I'll be honest. The show this morning, we've done some really, really good stories, some really important stories, but the yeah. show this morning, from my perspective, has lacked a little oomph. A bit of fun. A little bit of va va a little bit of je ne sais quoi. Oh, edginess. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. No, we had je ne sais quoi with Jonathan. The French Jonathan yeah. the pianist. <laughs> he was good. Okay, but apart from that, it's a, but, but I think you can, you can, you're bringing sexy back, Justin. Mm, you, yeah. You, you can, I'm bringing you can do sexy it. back. I can't say the next bit because I don't know the words. Excellent yeah. stuff. Yeah. Should kids have TVs in their bedrooms? No, they should not. Oh, you've been ranting about this this morning, haven't you? Oh, hang on. I've, yes, I've hit the. Yes, yeah. I have. There's a, a big, <laughs> hit the studio too hard. Uh, there, a little yeah. bit too hard. It's, mm. it's almost closed down. Yeah, I don't. I think kids having TVs in their bedrooms is disgusting. Mm-hmm. I think it's shameful. I think it shows a lack of imagination from the parents. Yep. Uh, in today's Daily Mail, saying that uh, children who do have uh, a television in their bedroom, they are fatter. Ian, are you ready for some uncomfortable radio? 
radio. Always, definitely. Yes, I've been speaking to parents about this, and this report started off so well for you and your beliefs, and then unfortunately it turned sour. Here's what happened. As a mother of a four-year-old child, has your child got a TV in their bedroom? No, absolutely not. Tell me why. Because it was the worst thing that I ever had when I was little, so that's never going to happen. It's such a distraction. Bedrooms are for sleeping in. Madam, you've got a nine-year-old boy. Has he got a TV in his bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> you say, of course? Yeah, he's got um, a DVD player in there. How can I put this to you? Um, Ian back in the studio has got two boys, and he's saying they will never be having a TV in their bedroom. He says that if you have got a child under the age of ten... And they've got a TV in the bedroom. That makes you a bad parent. What would you say about that? I don't think it does. Because sometimes when you're in there in their bedroom and you want to watch a programme in the other room, he's got his, he's got his TV in his bedroom. What's wrong with taking him out of the bedroom, turn the TV off and having a conversation? Goodness sake. No, not my son. <laughs> mental. Well, madam, you're here with your, your two children, very young children this morning. How old are they? Uh, he's five and she's two. OK, TVs in their bedrooms at the moment. Any TVs him. there? Him, yes. And um, no. So he's five and he's got a TV in the bedroom. Yep. Ian's been ranting this morning, saying that if your child's under ten and they've got a TV in the bedroom, it makes you a bad parent. How would you like to, to answer that? I don't know, really. <laughs> what do you think he gets from having a TV in his bedroom? It helps him go to sleep and that. And you're not worried about what I've he got might on be watching? Certain channels that he can't put on. It's only certain channels that he can actually watch. So he can't pick up the naughty ones? No. Mm. If the TV was taken away from your five-year-old child, how do you think he'd react to that? He'd probably throw up fit. Most probably. Tantrum? Yeah. Oh. No. Thanks very much. Right. That is disgusting, Justin. So mm. she wouldn't take the telly away because the kid would have a strop? Yes, uh, in her Terrible. words, um, he would have a fit. Um, Terrible. The, the lady before that, I said, what's wrong with turning the television off, having a conversation? You don't know my son, he would go mental. I mean, I, I am speechless. I am spe- That is awful, awful parenting. You can't turn the TV off and have a conversation with your son because he'd go mental. Yep, he would Catherine, go mental. I need your... Uh, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's not just me being an idiot. That is ridiculous. Here's, um, here's a tip. They sometimes do. You've got to ride it out and you've stay firm. You've got to ride it out. But he would go mental. Yeah, you've got to ride it out. No. If he goes mental, I've done, this is what I've done You'll in do the it past. Once. If he, if he's, if, if, uh, I did this before, and I will do this again. Go if he goes mental because the television's been turned off, mm-hmm. then he can watch me unplug the television and put it in the garage. <laughs> I've done that before, and I'll do it again. Hey, listen. According to those parents, it is simply not worth the hassle. <gasps> that is. I mean, if that's the attitude, Justin, we haven't got time to talk about World Book Day. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we've got twenty seconds because I want to go. To squeeze Bob in before mm. the end of the show. Mm. World Book Day, we're all dressing up. Any ideas who you might come as? Um, World Book Day, um, can I come as Paul Gambaccini from the British Hit Singles book? Probably not. No. Maybe Norris McWhorter. Uh, okay. There we go. I might come as Jesus from um, the Bible. Uh, Bob's in Milton Keynes. Bob, what do you want to say about uh, television? Get up to speed, Justin. We don't have televisions in the bedroom anymore. Well, you got to. We have iPads. B- Bob, you, you get up... You buy your children them iPads. Bob, you get up to speed. Justin's not here. It's Ian. Oh, sorry, Ian. Yeah, you sorry, get up Ian. to speed, Grandpa. Sorry, Ian. Yes, I am, Grandpa. Well done. Oh, well, we don't have in the bedroom anymore. We have iPads. But they won't be allowed to take iPads into the into the bedroom. Oh, you can hide one of them better than you can hide a television. I suppose you can. <laughs> you, I, I bet when you were growing up, Bob, you, you had a, a stick and a hoop. 
No, I, I had an accumulator on the radio. Oh, really? The Radio Luxembourg. Ah, back in the day, Bob, <laughs> back in the day. Thank you very much for your call. Lots of phone calls there. I'm guessing that uh, not everyone was enthralled by my idea of who I was going to dress as. No one spoke. Oh, really? Yeah, did you say some, Did you say something controversial? All I said was that it's, uh, it's no, it's well book day. The, it, the Bible is a book. I'll come as David then. God? Like a loincloth. <laughs> oh, you know it! You know it, ladies. That could be uh, your special treat. That's it. That's your lot. If you want to give uh, JVS a call, I would suggest you start calling now because the phones always get very, very busy. All the lines are free. 08459 455555. I think it might be a heated one with uh, JVS today. That's it. That's your lot. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, everybody who called in. And yes, even thank you, Justin Dealey. Uh, back tomorrow at 6. JVS is up next. Till tomorrow at 6 from me. Ta ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.